Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host. If you'd like to get a hold of me, I'm at Mike Seibert Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and write into the mailbag, MikeSeibertRadio at gmail.com. And that spelling is S-E-I-B-E-R-T, just like it sounds. No relation to Sabertron.com. Don't know how you get that pronunciation from that spelling, but that's neither here nor there. This is the podcast radio show where I talk about stuff and things that are on my mind every week and is occasionally nobody's favorite Transformers adjacent podcast. And that's just what we're talking about today. Transformers! It's my recap of TFCon Los Angeles, and this one's going to be special because I'll be joined by several special guests to share their stories and talk about their experiences, too, woven within my own tales from the show floor. All of that and more on this all-new bonus size episode of Mike Seibert Radio, but first, let's kick things off with some shout-outs. Shout it, shout it, shout it out From last week's show, my Emerald City Comic Con and Crackle Fest recap, frequent guest co-host of the show, Killing Spree, weighed in on the debate between which is better, Transformers the movie or G.I. Joe the movie. He tweets, Transformers, G.I. Joe, doesn't matter which one is better because they both bow down to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the movie. And that's hard to argue with. I uh, I don't necessarily have the same attachment to that first live-action Turtles movie as others, but but that first Turtles movie is pretty solid. Um, haven't watched it in years myself, but last I saw, I, I think it holds up. Uh, your mileage might vary, but um, let me know. Um, I, so I guess, I guess we can add a third challenger to the uh, <laughs> movie nostalgia there. Um, I also wanted to shout out some new and returning friends I connected with during TFCon LA, including Michael Andrews and his girlfriend Kate. We had a great lunch with them uh, as part of our larger group and it's always cool hanging out with them. Uh, got to meet Autopod Decepticast superfans Johnny Utah and also uh, Dave Cabal and his lovely family for the first time they made it out to uh, uh, TFCon LA. Uh, Dave's a really sweet guy and he uh, um, he gifted me a baggie of tiny Micronauts uh, which was uh, which was pretty rad and um, out on the show floor I got to meet a cool cat named Dave. Uh, Dave's Observatory out on Twitter. He's from Charlotte and uh, was part of the TFCon staff, uh, one of the purple shirts. A great guy with some really fun stories. In fact, um, uh, funny aside, uh, turns out he was already following me on Twitter uh, before we met at uh, at TFCon uh but afterwards um uh we connected and he checked out the podcast and he uh tweeted at me uh uh writing I got onto Kirby Crackle uh because of you Mike Cybert Radio I would totally love to see them at Magfest as well and that that connects to uh when we met on the show floor I told him I had a podcast and what it was about talked about nerd music and yeah so he's um uh you know 
know, a huge proponent of MAGFest, uh, that uh, that huge uh, festival. And and so, yeah, I, 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 I'm glad I sold somebody a Kirby Crackle. <laughs> um, now, uh, this guy's name will probably come up uh, more than a couple times in the conversations to come. But shout out to Jason Wiltshire from London, uh, uh, who is our who is all of our friends uh, that um uh, that we made there at the bar. He was a lot of fun to hang out with. And I, I sincerely hope that the gold plastic on his black Xerix feet has not shattered yet. I know he was, uh, he was talking about transforming that guy. And, um, I, I just wish him the best of luck. <laughs> um, and it, it wouldn't be a shout out segment if I didn't mention my dudes from the Autopod Decepticast. I roomed up with my buddy Aaron and he was, uh, he was a champ he uh, he put in a championship level patience and put up with a fair amount of crap from me i was a uh, i was a little grumpy on saturday having uh come off of my uh, friday adventure in seattle uh with uh that that one two punch of emerald city comic con and then crackle fest and then uh flip turning around and and jumping on a plane but i'll uh i'll uh, I'll, I'll get into that later but um i i wanted to mention here uh that our poolside interview with the writer of the Transformers the movie, Mr. Ron Friedman, is now available as episode number 97 of Autopod Decepticast, if you haven't had the opportunity to check that out yet. It's a it's a really interesting conversation with a guy who's been in the Hollywood scene for uh, almost 50 years. Um, and he's a, he's a feisty dude. He's a, he is definitely a, a, a feisty one with some really great stories stories uh but i i really especially appreciated his stories about working with uh stan lee uh back when they were doing uh the marvel action hour and uh some other uh projects as well um it's a it's a can't miss interview and uh shout out to caleb ryan and aaron for making it happen all three of them you know had huge contributions to it you know aaron obviously uh conducted the interview um itself uh a lot of this happened because of Caleb and, you know, uh, tracking down Ron Friedman and, and, uh, um, you know, kind of doing that research and making that connection. And, and Ryan did this, uh, this kick-ass, uh, uh, banner illustration for the episode, uh, a great caricature of Ron Friedman and his, uh, and his new book, um, I Killed Optimus Prime. Uh, anyway, uh, the, the response from the community, uh, the Transformers fan community so far has been overwhelmingly positive so uh thanks to everybody who's checked it out so far um i was glad to be um a part of it as well um and again that's uh that's episode number 97 of autopod decepticast go check it out now on your favorite podcast app and at apoddcast on facebook twitter and instagram autopoddecepticast.com And now we're pleased to bring you our feature presentation. TFCon LA was held March 15th through the 17th at the Los Angeles Marriott Burbank Airport Hotel 
in Burbank. <laughs> it was uh, it was billed as a Transformers Generation One reunion, featuring creators, writers, and voice actors from across multiple iterations of the fiction, and celebrating 35 years of the franchise. Uh, this was my second TFCon after traveling to TFCon Chicago last October, and. In this episode, I wanted to tell my stories uh, like I did last week for my Emerald City Comic Con and Cracklefest recap, uh, but I wanted to do things a little differently this time around. Uh, so I asked some special guests to join me to talk about their experiences as well. Uh, you'll hear their perspectives, uh, ranging from hardcore to casual to reinvigorated fans, uh, woven within my own Tales from the Show floor. Some of the stories overlap and will kind of jump around a bit chronologically. Um, I, I basically, uh, for the purposes of, of this podcast, I had the same conversations three different times. And as I was putting things together, I kind of ended up with this almost uh, Rashomon uh, style uh, telling of TFCon LA. And uh, I, I hope you enjoy this as much as I did putting it together. So to start things off, while I had my first guest on the line to talk about TFCon and CybeFest Northwest 2019, again, that's going to be happening July 27th at the Kent Commons Community Center in the uh, uh, greater Seattle area, about uh, 20 miles south of downtown Seattle, um, I, I first had to ask her about her experience at Emerald City Comic Con uh, because she ended up having a kind of similar uh, type whirlwind adventure. Uh, here's Liz from Worlds Cosplay and Collecting and Cybefest Northwest. I was only there Thursday. Um, I had I had a panel Thursday night. That was uh, my, my big thing was I spent most of the day getting ready for that. Um, I did not cosplay uh, on Thursday. That was kind of, I, you know, just didn't have the time, didn't have the energy with everything else going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I my, my panel was called Cosplay Crunch Contest. It was, uh, everybody has an hour to build a, con- uh, a costume using only the materials I give them. That's really interesting. It went really well. I will send you the pictures of the final costumes. They mm-hmm. always turn out so cool. And and they look amazing. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a lot of fun to watch everybody scramble. <laughs> I would imagine that would be a uh, uh, pretty interesting and very entertaining. Uh, was that your? Uh, ha- have you hosted panels at uh, Emerald City before? Um, I have been on panels at Emerald City before. I have not hosted panels at Emerald City before. This is my first time. It was a pretty interesting experience working directly with Emerald City instead of just working with, um, you know, whoever's running the panel at that time. I had, you know, I got the runaround a lot, yeah. uh, especially with all the new security stuff this year. Oh, man. Was, they they were contracting with a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, which meant it was very difficult to get the, you know, materials I needed for my space. And I ended up not getting a lot of what I had asked for. Um, since this is more of a, a workshop than a panel, I needed, you know, tables and extension cords and outlets and everything. Oh, and sure. they ended up giving me one table and it, we ended up, you know, we made do, we, we stole tables from, uh, nearby rooms. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we, we put them back. We were nice. 
<laughs> uh, we, you know, we had a big piece of cardboard that we stretched between two chairs, and we said, "This is the hot glue station." Uh, we, you know, we had to ration outlets, and it was it was an interesting experience. And I, I feel like at, in the, at the end of the day, it added to the chaos of it all. Yeah, yeah. It just uh, envisioning it in my mind just sounds like a lot of folks just almost like a a uh, master chef. Uh, type of thing, you know, like some of those Gordon Ramsay cooking shows where it's like everybody's like all super frantic trying to, you know, make make their dish by the deadline, and and uh, that's really cool. Um, so uh, while you were also at Emerald City Comic Con, you uh you got some commissions and some art and some other cool stuff. Do you do you want to mention any of that real quick? Oh, absolutely! I uh, finally got to commission Brendan Cahill. Uh, it has been a very, very long time coming, and I got an absolutely amazing piece from him. Um, when I have the money, I ask uh, artists to draw Ahsoka Tano from Star Wars and Windblade from Transformers together. Mm-hmm. They're my two favorite characters in all of all time ever. Um, and I have got, I've got a piece from Livio Raimondelli. I've got a piece from uh, a Ben Hansen, and now I have a piece from Brendan Cahill. It looks absolutely amazing. Um, I spent, I believe, 150 on that. And I'm uh, looking at my PayPal now to see how much I spent on other art. I know it was too much. Um, I commissioned, hold on, I'm counting because I just hung them all up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Three, four, five, six pieces over the course of the whole weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, that... you know, goes pretty quick. I know. I know you. You also commissioned a lot of art, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And I know. I know exactly uh, where you're coming from on that too. And it and it adds up because, like, so, some some of the commissions, like uh, like Casey Collar did uh, the sound wave he did for me, like end of January or something like that. So it's right. like you know, it it, uh, it adds up so much that you kind of forget about it. It's like, oh, I, I did that two months ago. It's 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 fine, but yeah. Once exactly once you start putting all of those pieces together, um, like I, I saw some of the pictures you had posted of your uh, sketch hall, and yeah, you, you've got you've got some magnificent pieces in there. Oh man, they're gorgeous. I had mm. to play a uh, commission Tetris on my on my commission wall. It's right above my laptop, and it's it was uh it, it looked fine, and then I got here with like six new pieces, all yeah. different sizes, and. It was like, oh, all right, got to rearrange everything now. <laughs> it's it's a fun problem to have. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it was it was a pretty busy day for me, but it was mostly running around Artist Alley, and mm-hmm. I, I gave gift bags to all the Transformers artists, and uh, you know, just talking to them was a lot of fun. And I picked up all my commissions, and then I went and I set up for my show. So yeah, I, uh, I I did get a few more commissions for the Wall of Soundwave, um, including art from Casey Collar, uh, Josh Burcham, and Jack Lawrence. And that's not all I ended up getting uh, from Jack Lawrence, but I will talk more about that later. Uh, ben Harpold, uh, also from Sidefest Northwest and Bumblebee Superfan, uh, he also traveled from Seattle to L.A. Uh, with his son and here he talks about what initially brought him to tfcon this was my first tfcon i had been curious about it for a while but because BotCon always kind of took precedence when it was when it was happening so uh but it, it took a uh, the huge uh lineup of, of voice actors to really 
motivate me to go this year and, mm-hmm. and see what see what it was like. Yeah, and this was, you know, from what I'm understanding, we're a lineup like this is rare. And it's probably going to be a while, if ever, before we get like this specific combination of those uh, G1 voice actors in the same place at the same time again. It uh, made it really, really special. Yeah, it really did. And uh, it, it it was something that I don't think Bachan ever did. But, uh, well, I mean, I know they didn't do it to that extent. So okay. uh, they were always able to get, you know, between you know, five to eight guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a different type of con. You know, they didn't, you know, at BotCon, you didn't have to pay for autographs. You just got in line, got your autographs, right. which made lines quite a bit longer. But uh, <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that's <laughs> so a good point. I had like, that. Oh, they're signing from, from two to four. Okay. Well, that there goes my two to four bit of time. So you just got in line. So waited, and waited and then uh, yeah. got your autograph and m- moved on but uh, but yeah this was this was a a really cool experience as far as getting a chance to meet such a wide variety of of voice actors and and writers as well mm-hmm. yeah i mean that that's what kind of enticed me was that um yeah voice actors are great but yeah it's like yeah i mean you've got like a lot of the uh writers as well um and yeah that's uh again it made it made it something that i just couldn't quite pass up i was a little trepidatious uh uh, uh coming right back around to another TFCon so recently after uh, TFCon Chicago that I had gone to in the fall uh, but it was it, it was totally worth it I mean it's like it was um, uh, TFCon Chicago was was great it was fun it was similar to the vibe and feel as it was here in LA but it was like you know with the, the different weather different location uh, different mix of guests it's like it it's uh it's one of those things where it's like it was um uh similar but different. I mean it's like there there was a different vibe there. Would you um be more inclined to go to another TFCon LA or another TFCon Chicago? Oh, that's interesting. Um oh, because I mean uh I I don't want to take the easy route and say both. Um, but I do have the newness of LA in my mind, so I think I would go with that. Um, I I liked the geography of the particular hotel that was at there at the uh, at the Marriott. Um, mm-hmm. I I liked having a little bit of distance and separation because um, you feel like you're going somewhere. Uh, whereas at uh, uh, the hotel they had it in in Chicago, the panel room was literally right next to the dealer room so you okay so on one hand that made it easier to just kind of pop in and pop out like i i i think i saw way more panels and well i know i did i i uh i spent way more time in the panel room in chicago uh than i did in la whereas uh i think i only actually saw one panel in uh, TFCon LA and spent most of my time either on the dealer floor or actually I'm being 
totally honest with everybody. I spent most of my time in the restaurants and the bars and the pool area uh, <laughs> hanging out with friends. I uh, it, it, it got to be deep Sunday where I was like, oh, wait a minute. If I uh, <laughs> if I want to start meeting with some of these folks and, you know, getting autographs and checking out uh, uh, dealers, I should I should probably get on that. So. Um, yeah, I, I spent the majority of my show. Yeah. Just, I mean, visiting with folks, you know, it's like, uh, uh, folks that I've, uh, you know, met in, uh, other shows, other connections. Like I had, uh, my uncle and his brother were in town. So yeah, it was just, it was, yeah. A lot of hanging out with friends, uh, more so than being on the show floor. Yeah. That's been like my botcon experience, Mm. but for this one, uh, my, my trip was literally like flying in uh, late Friday afternoon and flying out Sunday night. So I felt like it was just kind of this very quick uh, whirlwind of a, of a convention. Mm-hmm. And I had my son with me. So, you know, hanging out in the bar isn't really an option. Right. Um, and so, and, and a lot of my friends from uh, BotCon, from BotCon's past, uh, I didn't see them there. And so uh, that I was kind of expecting to see more familiar faces, uh, but it is what it is, and uh, I got to meet some new people and uh, and stuff. But but yeah, it wasn't as social as I it normally is for me. Sure. Um, but you know, I I had a mission, and my mission was getting some autographs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, mission mission successful though. <laughs> So that was great. So yeah, so so while we're there, why don't uh why don't you go ahead and break it down? Who'd you visit? Uh pretty much every G one guy I could get my hands on. <laughs> um, not not literally because right. they, they frown upon that. Um yeah, pretty much every every voice actor, uh with the exception of Greg Berger, who was only there Friday night and I flew my flight was delayed, so I missed out on him and <sighs> I think pretty much every writer but two. So um, I was just, I had brought in a poster that was from the 15th anniversary of Transformers. It was a BotCon 1999 Mosaic Optimus Prime poster, Mm -hmm. um, which has this really cool um, uh, black border. And it had, the mosaic was done from images from the animated series. And so I just had them all in silver pen, just sign the the border of it, and creates this really cool Stark uh, souvenir that I that I'm gonna that I'm gonna hang up and and, and look at all the time, <laughs> and uh, it, it's filled, <laughs> it's very well filled, and uh, some of the voice actors and stuff like that they have big signatures, yes, and so I was just kind of okay, make it a little smaller if you can, but they uh, they, they do the thing and. Uh, it was an expensive souvenir, but that was my main thing. Um, whereas in other shows, I, I kind of hit the dealer room and, and hit it hard. And but my uh, my buying of figures and stuff like that has uh, decreased over the last few years. So sure. 
And that was my original primary reason for wanting to go to this particular TFCon. Also, uh, the opportunity to meet and collect autographs from the guests, uh, not just the voice actors, uh, but also the writers, too. A collection of folks that we might not see in the same place at the same time again. Um, And uh, not to be hyperbolic, but uh, this really felt like a once in a lifetime opportunity and um so so one of my most prized collectibles is an autographed Star Wars poster. Um, It was a Christmas gift from my aunt and uncle and their family one year. And I, you know, it's hung in a spot prominently in our playroom where I'm always looking at it. It's, It's always in my line of sight. And I've always imagined, though, having something like that for Transformers the movie. Um, In fact, I've I've always wanted uh, to have a full-size theatrical one-sheet uh, poster from Transformers the movie, and um, I, I remember like when I was like in high school and maybe into my twenties. You know, it's like they, and this was kind of like you know early mid two thousands. Like they they would have reproduction posters, but. Um, uh, I, I get bogged down in the dumb details, but like the the original version of the poster has uh, lettering in like a a orange uh, purplish uh, magenta uh, type uh, uh, coloring for the Transformers the movie logo, and all of the reproduction posters that I came across in like that time frame, uh, it was it was uh, it was wrong. I mean, I'll just be blunt. It was wrong. It's incorrect. And so, like, the lettering for the Transformers logo was the classic uh, kind of uh, red and silver chrome uh, from the cartoon series. And I never bought it because I'm like, well, that that. I mean, sure, the image is right, you know, with Ultra Magnus and the the uh, other new characters, um, you know, beyond good, beyond evil, beyond your wildest imagination. But, yeah, it was it was never quite the same. But um, what I found is that um, that's uh, (laughs) good. Good reproductions in 2019 are actually pretty easy to come across. And this uh, this kind of felt like a great opportunity to do that and to get it autographed as well. I I found a vendor on eBay. Um, It it was a really decent price and it's pretty great. I mean, it's like, you know, it's I I remember when I when I unrolled it, a couple months ago, first thing I saw was like the 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 lettering, and again I get fixated on stupid details, but I'm like, I I just I had this really cool feeling like I, I I've got this now, this thing I've always wanted, but kind of stopped looking for 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 a while. Um, anyway, I uh, I also ordered uh, some Sharpie paint markers. Um, in a variety of bright colors, you know, to make the uh, autographs and signatures uh, uh, really pop. Um, and I had to do a little bit of research on that. So you want to get, um, if you want to get like like a super premium autographing uh, marker, get oil-based paint markers. 
um, sometimes called like you know poster markers or things like that. But uh, don't get water based because like it'll eventually eat at the paper. The uh, uh, the oil based ones are the ones to uh, go with, and not terribly expensive. I, I want to say like a five pack was like ten bucks on Amazon or something like that, and I got a couple of those again in a variety of uh, uh, colors. Um, but now. If you're looking at the thumbnail image for the podcast, you'll notice that the poster that I got autographed and that you see in that thumbnail image is not the original art from 1986, not the poster that I just got done describing that I bought off of eBay, but rather it's the art by IDW comics artist Livio Ramadelli. And here's the story behind that. I, I've I flirted with telling the story a couple different times, and, and uh, I'm just going to tell it here and now so that I can uh, move on with my life. But the... Uh, um, the first poster I was describing to you, the the 27 by 41 full size one sheet poster was just way too damn big. And um, I, I was concerned about it being difficult to cart around on the convention floor and for folks to sign it. Um, because like, you know, it, it was shipped in a tube. It's very tightly coiled. Um, and with that, I was always, wor- I was also worried about the paint smudging. Um, because yeah, I mean, it dries quickly, but it's still oil-based paint. So I, I just I had this nightmare vision of somebody that I've I've paid a decent amount of bucks to autograph. They autograph it, let go of the poster, it coils back up and the autograph gets ruined. I again I, I obsess about dumb things. So um after agonizing uh, a lot and overthinking solutions like, you know, getting uh, cardboard backing board. Um, that was an adventure shopping for that, as well as uh, getting like clothespins to kind of, um, you know, attach it to this cardboard, um, measuring, you know, the cardboard to see what would fit into the suitcase. Um, uh, Lucky suggested I get a smaller poster, like a like a 16 by 24 that could fit into a frame that could fit into my luggage and make it easier to handle. Um, so thanks to eBay again, I found a different vendor and I found a 16 by 24 uh, poster as well. Um, I, I really like the big one I ordered, that first one, um, but the colors were a little muted and the, um, the texture is, um, unique. Like there's nothing wrong with it, but it's like the, 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 um, the paper stock is heavier. It's actually like a really heavy quality, but it almost just has like, um, yeah, a very heavy um, paper stock feel to it that I'm not used to in uh, one sheet posters. Usually that paper is pretty flimsy. Like like for example that Star Wars poster I was telling you about. The paper is you know I mean it's it's glossy poster paper, but it doesn't really have a lot of uh, thickness to it like uh, uh, like this other one. But anyway, I um I I get this smaller poster this uh, 16 by 24, um and 
that was kind of like the opposite. Uh, the uh, color sa- saturation was turned up to like fourteen. Um, it was it was incredibly vibrant, really gorgeous, actually. Like in a in a way that I hadn't seen that nineteen eighty six poster art. Um, uh, in it, it, just in a way I hadn't seen it before. It was. Uh, um, it's still the same art. The colors are still the same, but like I said, the, the saturation is just turned up a little bit. Um, but, uh, um, so much so that I wasn't sure how the autographs would look on it. Um, because like I said, you know, it's like I got, uh, bright colors. Uh, you know, it's like I bought like a Christmas pack where it's got like, you know, a red and a green, but I also got like a springtime pack with more pastels. You know, it's like, you know, some, some lavenders and some lime greens and, and, uh, and all that. And I was, uh, I, I was I, I was getting flustered. I was getting upset because my idea, um, the the thing that I actually wanted to go to TFCon for was kind of falling apart, and it wasn't going the way that I wanted it to. Uh, so Lucky, uh, being being the smart one, helped me sort it all out. Uh, because I I was really having a hard time with it. Uh, um, she suggested that I bring the poster that we got at the Fathom event screening of Transformers the movie from last September. And honestly, I... I initially wasn't keen on that idea. It was it was something that I had considered very early on before I even shopped for and ordered any of these posters. Uh, but but I, I wasn't it wasn't my first choice, uh, mostly uh, because of my built up expectations of, you know, envisioning and seeing that original poster art with the autographs on it, you know, presumably right next to my Star Wars poster. Uh, the problem also uh, was that I honestly didn't assign much value to the giveaway poster because basically it was a free handout for watching the movie and attending that screening. I mean, I, I talked about this uh, uh, back in September, but like, you know, the the theater manager, you know, personally handed out the posters and, and that was rad. But. I again, I just I didn't I I didn't value it in the way that uh, perhaps I should have. But then my wife hits me with this and this is why she's the wise one. Um, She tells me, but Mike, you got that poster for watching the movie. The theater manager put that in your hand at the screening of the the movie and it's a poster of the movie i'm paraphrasing but but yeah it's like you know you got this for watching the movie um and and the solution was there the whole time because you know she got me to look at it in a way that i hadn't considered that poster was an artifact from the movie um I mean, I mean, plus I was uh, I was able to get uh, Livio Ramadelli uh, to be the first person to autograph it for me uh, when I was at Emerald City Comic Con. And I and I explained to him what I was going to do with it. He thought that was pretty rad. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll talk more about who I met. And actually had signed the poster soon. Uh, But I want to get back to Liz. And I want to ask her about her previous TFCon experience. 
Uh, I went to TFCon Charlotte in 2016, 2015. I, I can't remember what year it was. Oh, wow. it, it was a couple of years ago I went to TFCon Charlotte. Uh, but that's been my only other one. And I've never been to a bot con. I didn't get that chance. Right. Yeah. So. S- same here. Because, you know, uh, you know, like, for example, when we talk to Ben, you know, he'll he'll talk about, you know, stories of bot cons of, of days of old. And like you, I, I never got the opportunity to really do that myself. So right. my my only experience with Transformers conventions has been Cybefest here in town and mm-hmm. and traveling to July TFCon. 27th. I don't, it's it's going to be here before we know it. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, I had to plug it real quick. Absolutely. How how did this Los Angeles iteration, this kind of you know uh, build G1 reunion type uh, show? How did how did that compare with your experience uh, in uh, when you went to the Charlotte one? It felt smaller to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that but you know that's also because I didn't I didn't do a lot at the actual TFCon. I was there to make friends and, and, you know, cosplay. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I went up and down the aisles of the dealer room and then I felt like I had done everything. Um, I didn't do panels or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, you know, we hung out there for a little while and then we, we would, we would sit in the hallway and we'd play games and talk. And I, that, that's really what TFCon is about for me is hanging out with friends that I don't get usually to see and taking pictures and, you know, meeting the artists and meeting the voice actors and mm-hmm. chatting them up and, you know, getting to getting to talk to people is really my biggest uh, part of cons. So Very cool. And that that was definitely a uh, thriving vibe at uh, at TFCon LA. That's kind of where I I spent a lot of my time as well. You know, it's like I did a little bit of dealer room. Actually, it was kind of funny. My dealer room experience was like it's it's like four o'clock on Sunday. I'm sorry, three o'clock on Sunday, like the last hour. So I just right. kind of like did a quick run around, real quick, like um, just yeah. to see if there's anything I wanted to uh, buy. I'm not I'm not a huge toy buyer myself. Um, so I, I kind of, I kind of keep my toe pretty shallow in that pond. Uh, it's better for the wallet, but, um, yeah, I mean the majority of my show, like, um, yeah, it's, it's hanging out with, uh, friends, both old and new, you know, it's like I had folks that, you know, I, I had met at previous TF cons. There's other folks that I had networked with, uh, my uncle and his brother came in from out of town, uh, just to kind of like hang out and, um, it was great. We we spent we spent most of our time in that really cool uh, bar lounge right across from the pool, is where. Oh yeah, yeah. There was a lot of there was a lot happening uh, at, at that specific area. I know I met mm-hmm. uh, one of my one of my Twitter friends, Lady of Wreck. There, uh, mm, yeah. She uh, she had t-shirts that I had bought one a while back, and it uh, I, I you know gained some weight. And now I you know, can't fit in a small one, so I was like, oh, I need a medium, and I got it. And, it, you know, there's a lot of people I know online that I never get to see. That's just, you know, one example of, of just so many people that I know and never get to see in real life. And then I go to TFCon, and it's like, hey, why are you going to TFCon? Oh, to hang out with people. Oh, yeah, me too. Okay, cool. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a good excuse uh, for me, I think, to, to meet up with a lot of people. I, I think uh, maybe the hotel convention staff just didn't really know what to do with us. 
<laughs> yeah, we were kind of everywhere. I mean, we were. Yeah, you walk into the lobby and there's people just you know hanging out all yep. over the place, playing with toys, and mm-hmm. I feel like the hotel staff was just kind of like, "All right, <laughs> that's interesting." Yeah, I agree. I mean, especially as it gets later in the evening, um, you you know you're there for a fan convention where you end up closing down three different bars where it's like, oh, th- <laughs> this one is closed. Let's move on to the next one. Oh, oh, this one's closed. Okay, well, I guess it's time to call it a night. <laughs> See, okay, you and I have different drinking experiences at TFCon, I guess. Ah. Uh, we uh, we didn't we didn't go to a bar. It was uh, Saturday night before St. Patrick's Day. Yes. Um, so so being at a bar in LA was not necessarily where I wanted to be. Instead, we we Smart. postmates uh, a bunch of uh, rum and coke, and we played a Transformers Prime drinking game with like nine people in our hotel room. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I love that. That is so cool. So being relatively new to the uh, traveling for convention scene and specifically for uh, Transformers conventions, I still have yet to attend a parts party or room party or any of that after hours in hotel stuff because like you're missing out, man. That's what I keep being told. And me and my buddy Aaron, we swore we were going to do stuff. We we were looking on the board and we're like, oh, you know what? We should we should just kind of go check it out. And we just never did because we just hung around in the uh, in in the hotel bar all night, which in itself was a cool scene because. Because like at one point, yeah, that was kind of its own party. Yeah, it was it was its own thing. I mean, you know, like uh, Evangelist just uh, popped in and we kicked it with him for a few. Um, uh, David Mendenhall, uh, who's uh, the voice actor who played uh, Daniel in in the movie and season three, uh, he he was just kind of there, just posted up. So you know, we we kicked it with him for a while, and yeah, it was it was just as you said, kind of like its own scene. But um, so aside from the uh, the pre St. Patrick's Day uh, Transformers Prime uh, uh, drinking game you were talking about, did uh, did you partake of any of the uh, after hours parts parties room party atmosphere um, scene? Not officially. Ah, <laughs> um, fair enough. There was, there was a parts party across the hall from us, and oh. we literally just, uh, we, we walked in, and we said, hey, what's going on here? And they said, are you part of our group? And I said, nope. And they said, uh, this is kind of just for us. And we said, okay, and we left. Wow. Um, but uh, we, we, you know, I we uh, had a, a group of 15 strong, I think. At uh, we, we went to uh, City Walk down by Universal, and we were running around there for a while, causing chaos. Nice. Uh, and then uh, Monday morning, we all went to Denny's and caused a bunch of chaos there. <laughs> um, so, I, I mean, we, we didn't have any official parties, uh-huh. but there, there was a lot of us in uh, one location. <laughs> so we kind of had our own party going. I love but, uh, that. It was a really good time. Uh, we, we didn't go to anybody else's stuff other than that one incident. Sure. But uh we we you know we are kind of the hosts I think on accident. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean when you've got enough friends as you said you kind of you kind of create your own party. And that's, yeah, we uh, had four people in our room, and everything was happening in there. It seemed like it. We had a like a, a couple boxes of voodoo donuts just kind of floating around, and then sweet. Uh, we we also had like a little uh, we. <laughs> We decided on uh, Saturday morning that we wanted to add wings to someone's cosplay, so we went to Michael's and 
we bought a bunch of like tools and stuff. We uh-huh. spent something like forty bucks, and then we we pulled out the ironing board and we turned that into our little cosplay station. It was uh we so we had a lot going on in our hotel room. I love and it. Was it. Not a, it was not a big hotel room either. Sure. I understand. <laughs> that that's incredible. I I love hearing about that. And with that, I'd like to bring on my next guests, my uncles Chris and Tim. Uh, so we're we're making it a family affair here on the podcast. Well, uh, actually, Chris is my uncle. Well, actually, he's um he's married to my aunt, who is my mom's sister, and Tim is his brother. Family is confusing. Um, anyhow, uh, we were at a family gathering, you know, back in uh, February, and I was talking about uh, Comic Con and TFCon and Crackle Fest and all this other stuff. And 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 Chris has always taken a keen interest in what I've been involved in. He's, uh, you know, when when you look up. Um, you know, like uncle in the dictionary, you know, it's like the, the, the dude that, you know, you kind of look up to is, you know, an adult role model that's, that's still like super cool. Um, that's my uncle Chris. And, um, and, uh, same thing by extension, uh, with, uh, uh, with Tim, um, Tim is kind of like, uh, age wise between Chris and me. So it's uh so Tim and I relate on a lot of stuff. Uh he uh um has uh, uh moved across the country. He's living in Alabama now for work, but uh there was a time back in the day, you know, where we would get like, you know, super geeky about, you know, Star Trek and Transformers and just all this all of this nerd culture and so it was it, it was really cool to kind of reconnect to uh to some of that a little bit um a little bit of nostalgia but also just a uh just a really great uh experience but um anyhow uh chris caught the bug after uh talking to me um or or listening to me talk about tfcon and whatnot and he and tim uh made it down to TFCon LA, which was really great. Um, and here uh, they talk about what inspired them to come down to TFCon. Um, it's always been, as the older brother, uh, my fascination with my younger brothers having a, a, a true love for uh, the original Transformers. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I heard this opportunity was coming up for Transformer Con, I, I knew that it was something I wanted to do. I wanted to be a part of it with my brother. So, you know, just, just to see him kind of take in that world that is uh, the original Transformers. Um, and, and as it would turn out, it, it, it was fun for me because I've, I've always wanted to be an animator. Um, we got to meet some animators down there. Um, we got to listen to some voice personalities. Mm-hmm. We got to talk to the uh, producers. Uh, it was absolutely fascinating, uh, just to, as, as somebody looking into the, the little little world that is Transformers. But uh, it turns out it's it's quite large, and mm-hmm. and uh, it was absolutely entertaining to be there. It's a it's a deep fandom for sure, and for sure. For sure. And uh, uh, how about you, brother Tim? Had a were were you familiar with uh, TFCon or uh, Transformers conventions or anything having to do with this uh, this wacky fan culture? I was not. No, 
I know uh, when Chris called me and he said that this was happening and he wanted us to go, I was like all over it, <laughs> you know, uh, because, you know, I was, I was there for G1 as a kid, but I never yeah. dove behind it. You know, mm-hmm. it was just G1 and the movie. And then uh, when we got there, it was really incredible to see how deep it really was. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, I, I didn't even know there was real comment to it. I guess that's, you know, you talk to a real fan and that's what they go by, you know. So it's it's got me hooked even more now. I think I've been looking a lot into seeing what what it is and all that kind of stuff. Now, um, let's go back to Ben and hear about what he and his son uh, saw out there out on the show floor. It was smaller than BotCon's, mm-hmm. um, but not by a lot, uh, at least as far as my, my recollection. Um, there were a lot of variety in the dealers. Uh, you know, there were some of the, the stores selling their, you know, either official products or the third-party stuff. Um and then there was also a lot of just seemed like people just selling off stuff in their collection or uh, people who had either really like a small comic shop or something like that. And so there was a lot of interesting deals to be had. Uh, then some stuff was really overly priced, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, people will either spend the money or they won't. And, you know, that's the that's the risk they run. But I, I, yeah. I guess I got to see a lot of variety. You know, my son was great. He was uh, wasn't just going. I want that. I want that. I want that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we talked about it like a few days before and said, okay, what are the things you really want? Um, what are you looking for? And and then I kind of took that and priced it out on what I would get it on like different shops or eBay or whatever, yeah. so that I didn't accidentally overpay for anything. And you know, and I tried to remind them anything that's in there you know, like old stuff that's in their box, it's going to be a lot more expensive. And so I have kind of an amount in my head of how much uh, I was going to let them spend. Sure. Uh, without without sticking to it, because I didn't want him to think, oh, I have $40, I'm going to spend all $40, or, you know, it's this open-ended, I'll buy you whatever you want type of thing. So yeah. I bought a couple things early Saturday and a couple things early Sunday, and that gave him something new to kind of keep him entertained during panels that he wasn't necessarily interested in so uh, but he looked away with a classic hunt rod uh armada starscream uh transmetal pterosaur and uh and uh energon krulak so um so yeah he, he went in with some wanting some dinosaur figures and stuff like that and then starscream and stuff like that and so and he's he watched a lot of the different series so he didn't he doesn't have like one specific version of a character that he is only looking for he was oh, okay. for a star screen that he's from a show he liked and he likes armada and energon and stuff like that so uh he he was happy and those tend to not be the higher price ones that's <laughs> well, he, uh, I, I remember from from our encounters, we you know bumped into each other uh, uh, a couple times throughout the convention. But yeah, he uh, uh, Statler seems like he really liked that Starscream figure. He was having a lot of fun with him. <laughs> yeah, and when we met one of the writers, I can't remember which one it was, um, but he was talking to him and showing him showing the writers this figure, 
And I'm, I'm in my head thinking, these guys don't know this stuff. I mean, they know G1, and they were writers. They were kids when this stuff happens. They don't exactly. have the connection to it like we do. And so they were, being, they were really great with them and stuff like that. And, of course, it's a figure that has one of the spring-loaded missiles in and he's showing them one of the missile launches, which goes right past uh, one of the writers' heads. Oh my gosh! And it was a great, it was hilarious. <laughs> the writer laughed and stuff like that. It was, it was really funny. But yeah, I mean, everybody um, we talked to was was so good uh, with with my son. Um, there wasn't a lot of kids at the show. I was kind of surprised. It seemed I, I figured there was going to be more because it was, you know, cheaper than BotCon and stuff like that. But um, and maybe that helped kind of make my son a little bit more special when they interacted with with him and stuff like that. Like yeah. the writers, the the uh, voice actors would, would talk to him about his interests and stuff like that. He geeked out with Paul, Paul Eiding about science. He, uh, <laughs> he was so excited to meet Titor. And uh, the voice of Titor also did a character from Dinosaur Train, which was another one of my son's favorite shows. Oh, cool. Uh, uh, my son did his pterosaur impression for David Kay who seemed genuinely impressed with it and suggested he go to it for the guy who did the voice of Cheetor. And so, uh, you know, he was just enjoying, he was on, on Cloud9 meeting these people. And, and of course, I had to meet, uh, you know, I've met Dan Gilderland before, yeah. uh, but I had to had to meet him again and, and get my poster signed. And he was great with my son and, and told him all about my collection and, and uh he gave him a little button and stuff like that. So it was just, oh, that's it sweet. was great because it was just, everybody was so friendly. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, so remind me because I, I I forget sometimes. Has a uh, um, Statler traveled to uh, uh, cons with you before? Okay, so he. I mean, obviously he's been the sofa. Um Oh sure. He came to Con with me when he was not quite two. Oh, okay. So he doesn't remember it. Um, and I brought him to some of the local shows. Um, he's gone to uh, Jet City Comic Con and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Uh, he, I haven't taken to Emerald City Comic Con because um, I've always been at Emerald City Comic Con as a Lego builder. Mm-hmm. And so I tend to be have to be behind the, the booth uh, talking to people about Lego and stuff like that. So, and it's a little crowded for me. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and one time uh, he came with uh, my mom and I when we went to a Disney convention in California, uh, one of the D23 expos, and he came with us when, when uh, a little bit before he was two and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, so he's been to some bigger shows. Uh, mm-hmm. But this is, you know, now he's at the age where he can remember and and actually have opinions on what we do and stuff like that. So I gotcha. Very cool. But yeah, it was a much different experience uh, going with a kid than, than traveling by myself. <laughs> <laughs> it, made it, it made it different. And, and Tim talks about seeing third-party Transformers toys for the first time. It was, yeah, I was, I was completely blown away going in there all these toys and it, it took me about 20 30 minutes to really notice that hasbro wasn't there at all mm-hmm. you know that i could notice and, and these toys were spectacular you know it just it just brought me right back into wanting to do 
<laughs> buy toys, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's you know as as my buddy Aaron has uh, warned me and a couple other folks as well. It's uh, it can be an expensive hobby once uh, once you get into it. So I then I um I asked Chris and Tim about their first impressions of the show rolling into TFCon. I flew in on Friday evening, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Tim should have arrived before me, but he, he found out that there was a polar vortex in the middle of Denver at that time, and uh, he, he was delayed. So <laughs> I, I got to start TFCon on my own, mm-hmm. which was interesting because I, I started out, my, my first introduction there was with a, uh, with a costumed, uh, a, a group of costume people down there, and it was, it was my first introduction to that world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I got to admit, that was... Uh, <laughs> well, outside of my comfort zone. Well, and you were totally unescorted too, so you you've absolutely. never you absolutely. So and and I, I think I may have asked this before, but but have either of you guys been to any kind of fan convention before, whether it be like like a comic con or or anything like this before? You know, the the closest I've ever never. been to is a uh, is happy hour at my local bar, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, there was there was certainly there was certainly some happy hour to be had while uh, while we were oh, down yeah. there. Oh man! But you know that, that that is one of the things that's great about the TFCon scene is like you know uh, our our story isn't all that dissimilar from a lot of other folks to where you know it sure you're there for the voice actors and the panels and the animators and the merch and and all the toys and all that stuff, but a lot of it is just the social social scene um that yeah. that was that was one of the things that that called to me so much was you know hooking up uh with my friends from you know different parts of the country and you know meeting a lot of folks you know it's like uh or, Shoot, mike from different parts of the world yeah I mean, we had quite the eclectic group there i must say it was it was very interesting to meet all these different mm-hmm. these different people from different walks of life different economic classes mm-hmm. it was fun it was a great experience to meet these people I, I i loved it yeah i i mean like our our new friend jason from uh from london <laughs> you know it's like we uh we spent a whole yeah. lot of time with him and my buddy aaron actually even spent even more yes. time with him aaron was um, great aaron was great yeah he's he's a good dude he's he's all right <laughs> he's a great guy great guy so. And for more of Aaron's adventures at TFCon, from his point of view, uh, check out episode 97 of Autopod Decepticast. Uh, Ryan and Caleb talk about that for uh, for a good few minutes before the Ron Friedman interview. And uh, one of the things that they talked about on their show uh, was the uh, Transformers the Movie panel uh, featuring Ron Friedman, uh, Flint Dilly, Doug Booth, uh, Paul Eiding, and Neil Ross. Um, and that was one of the first things that Aaron and I did together um, after lunch on Saturday. But what uh, what wasn't mentioned uh, during that show, because they're very polite and they're my friends, but uh, uh, Aaron didn't mention how surly I was uh, during that panel. As as I've mentioned a couple times, I was a little grumpy, but um, he um, Aaron was recording the audio on his phone and. Um, which you know, I mean, again, I, I was picking on. Dude, I I picked on this guy so much. It's so, 
it's so bad but uh but basically he was uh he was recording it for reference you know for what was discussed and you know maybe something that he would come back to later uh during autopod decepticast uh but i think uh, for his recording, I think he mostly just got me being a grump about some of the lame questions or or what I perceived at times to be lame questions uh, uh, that people were asking. I mean, maybe that audio might resurface in some form someday. Uh, but, uh, but I want to go back to Tim and have him talk about his arrival at, uh, at TFCon L.A., well, you know, uh, it was it was actually so late that everybody wasn't there. So my my introduction was really just Saturday morning. Ah, we went straight good. into a uh, we went straight to a uh, where the voice actors were talking and stuff. And yeah, you know, you, you could just I don't know. It was it really felt great because I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm listening to folks that entertained me when I was fourteen, fifteen. Right, talking about their stories or what they remembered of doing the show, and it was just exciting as heck for me. You know, I, uh, I, uh, I'm going to treasure mm-hmm. this trip to California for that. You know, one of the things, one of the takeaways I had from from that first conference uh, or the first panel was uh, listening to how much work that went into every single episode, mm-hmm. and how many episodes a year? Fifty. Four, 64 episodes a year Something so they were like producing that, yeah. more than one episode a week mm-hmm. and from top down they had to have it buttoned up so tightly in order to get that production going the way they were doing it mm-hmm. i mean what a crazy world that must have been for them in the day and, and i would imagine you know even today it's, it's it's crazy in that world you know producing these episodes or episodes of any show mm-hmm. um but it was just it, it was amazing to hear the the level of intensity that had to go on, whether it be the voice actors, the artists, the story writers, the producers, the animators uh, offshore. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of work went into this stuff. And I don't know that people yeah. understand just what level uh, if, is it these people if I remember correctly, made their they, sacrifice. They, they said they had to, they had to, uh, they had two offshore animation studios that were doing That's this. That's right. TV that show, is correct. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. and absolutely fascinating now that's from the perspective of an adult but what was tfcon la like for a kid uh let's go back to ben and see what the con was like from his son's perspective he really uh really liked meeting the voice actors um and hearing them do their voices for him Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and we got a couple pictures with them uh, but it was mainly just kind of talking to him. Uh, the panels didn't interest him all that much. Uh, we went to the, uh, the the screening of the Five Faces of Darkness episodes with Flint, Flint Dale doing his commentary. Okay. Uh, and he really wanted to just watch the episodes. Yeah. And so having this commentary going was, you know, not quite his interest. And he was kind of squirming in his seat, but he, he, he held in there well. Well, I I enjoyed it, and um, we went to the trivia contest, and he really wanted to enter, but it was done in a very strict uh, Jeopardy answer in the form of a question. Yeah, you know, wait, wait for you know 
to answer to be read before you buzz in and and the wagering, you know, your points and stuff like that. So a lot of concepts that he, as a nine-year-old, hasn't really had to deal with, uh, especially having seen how I do the trivia contest at SideFest. Yeah. Where it's just, you know, you answer a question and there's not all these strict rules. But he really wanted to answer, uh, enter and they did several rounds. Uh, and he, and I was kind of prepping him through the first couple rounds like, how would you answer this question? And letting them practice answering in the form of question. Mm-hmm. And uh, he knew a lot of the answers. He had a hard time with him buzzing in, but somebody had buzzed in first. And so the, his buzzer didn't work, and he, want, he wanted to give his answer. Oh, <laughs> so like, I see. I know the answer, and it's like, uh, nobody, they, they, they locked the, the buzzers when somebody else rang in. And, mm-hmm. and so he was, you know, having a little bit of trouble with uh, figuring out the, the logistics of the game. Sure. And uh, but but he, you know, if he was able to just answer the questions um, as he knew them, he would hold his own with, with several of the adults. Um, and so that that was kind of cool that he knew answers that the adults were struggling with. Mm-hmm. And uh, but ultimately, you know, he didn't even come close to winning, but because uh, they were pretty strict on the question, he played himself quite a few times uh, and rephrased it so that he did get it, but you know, it, it was it was a cool experience for him, and, and he enjoyed being up there, and uh, he answered, he asked some of the questions to um, the Cyberverse panel. Yeah, uh, a couple of the writers from Cyberverse. He asked a couple questions mm-hmm. there, and got to talk to Amanda Scott and uh, Maycat uh, quite a bit after the panel and stuff. And had just a blast talking to them because he really likes Cyberverse. Mm-hmm. But the, the panels there was just basically a Q and A that really didn't interest him that much. And to be honest, it wasn't that interesting to me because it was like, it's only going to be as good as the questions asked. Right. I like to see uh, more presentation type panels where I'm kind of learning something planned and not just, oh, here's this story, here's this story. I like the uh, the writers who did the AllSpark Almanac did a panel and they showed some old um, production images and stuff like that. And that was really cool. Yeah. And then they opened it up for Q&A and, and stuff like that, but... I really liked that type of presentation. I liked the um, the commentary with Five Faces Darkness because it was, you know, specific to what we were seeing to this mm-hmm. on screen and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it was uh, so. There was it was interesting to see what kind of in, uh, kept his focus and stuff. And when it when it wasn't interesting to him, he was just sitting there playing with the figures. Sure. And, kept himself entertained so that was good and you know with so much going on during the convention you can't always see everything you want to uh here's chris with more of that well I'll, i will tell you one thing that i wish i had done that i did not do and i and uh, it came to me after the uh the, we, that day that we left tfcon is apparently there was a script reading by all the uh, voice actors that would have been something i would have mm-hmm. just loved I missed that, and I, I now wish, shoot, you know, I, 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 I wish I'd have made it to that. I'll tell you what, it's got me interested in going to the Toronto show, so I, I'm looking forward to definitely doing this again. 
Well, you know, the uh, the thing that I, I absolutely loved about what I saw here was just the generations. Yeah. There were little kids. That's true. There were teenagers, old guys like me. I mean, you know, these everybody was just engaged. They were having fun. The costumes down there from the cardboard to the 3D modeling, it was just spectacular to mm-hmm. see everybody so engaged in having fun with this and Tim, that's, who, that's what who I remember about costume I, I think I loved the little girl that did Optimus Prime she'd come up and said let's transform and roll out <laughs> yeah, she was pretty awesome yeah. I liked uh, my favorite was uh, and help me with the names here because I'm not familiar with them oh, sure. is it uh, Spark Plug and Spike oh the the father and son the, the de- yeah the father son team yeah that, that was awesome they were great. Oh, showed, they were fun. Showed up in their little oil rigger outfit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They they were so much fun. And speaking of cosplay, you uh you heard Liz talk about her cosplay panel at Emerald City Comic Con earlier, but here she talks more about the cosplay that she did during TFCon LA. Yeah, I managed to fit three into two days. Oh really? Oh, see, I thought you. Uh, what? Uh, could you talk about your your three different cosplays? Yeah. So, um, Whirl is kind of my staple Transformers cosplay right now. Um, my goal was to have uh, my Windblade build ready for TFCon, but that didn't happen. Uh, so maybe next year. But right. uh, I. So we we stuck to we stuck to the holoforms all day. We cheaped out a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did uh, Whirl on Saturday with the the coveralls and the wig and all that. Uh, and that, that's, you know, that's kind of my staple Transformers cosplay right now. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, Friday night we were standing in registration line and, uh, the, the joke came up about anime cat girl ravage <laughs> and we were like, someone, someone's done that. Someone has to have done that. And there were like five of us on our phones and we we're like, no one's done that. So we went to Hot Topic and Walmart and Target <laughs> and I pulled together an anime cat girl ravage for Sunday morning. And that was hilarious. Yeah, that was. We kept finding sound waves and posing with them, and and you know everyone was just like, oh, okay, cat girl ravage. Yeah, <laughs> that seems perfectly like that. That that that's a thing that would happen. Sure, absolutely. And yeah, and, uh, I, like you, I'm surprised no one else has done that already because that that uh, I it it kind of seems like it'd be a no brainer if you when you sit and think about it long enough. It's like, wait a sec, <laughs> right. Um, and then uh, we had we had planned to do uh, since St. Patrick's Day was on the Sunday of the con, we were mm-hmm. going to do a group of Green Transformers. Sure. Uh, and it uh, we we were kind of struggling a little bit. Of course, there's a, there's a bunch of Green Transformers, but they don't really lend themselves to to holoforms very well. Um, and I ended up uh, we were like, well, you know, hey, Cup, Cup's kind of green. He's he's kind of blue green. He's, mm-hmm. he's kind of green and. Uh, I was like, oh, I want to do Cup. I want to be the old man. And <laughs> then uh, no one else wanted to do it. So I was like, well, I'm already set on this. So I, I did it anyways. Sure. And I pulled together this uh, this Cup cosplay, and I made a little Saigar out of tinfoil and hot glue, and I got a little army helmet and uh, some fatigues and, you know, slapped an Autobot patch on it, and I was mm-hmm. like, I'm Cup now. And uh, that, that was fun, and a lot of people got it. I think if I didn't have the Saigar, I, I, I don't think it would have been as obvious. I, I think um, so. You're absolutely right because that, that's that's the piece that totally sells it. It's like, oh, Sergeant Cup, kick ass. Yep, that's the staple. Yeah, yeah. I, so I, I I had a lot of fun just pulling together random outfits. I honestly, I didn't put a lot of effort or money into cosplay this year. Yeah. 
but I, I did have a lot of fun with it. I ended up missing the costume contest on Saturday, uh, but I know Aaron checked it out. Um, I, I don't know if uh, Michael Andrews or Kate or, or uh, Chris and Tim made it. I, I, I don't remember. Uh, but instead, I used that time to hit the show floor and start collecting some of those autographs uh, for my poster that, that I was basically there to do uh but in addition to doing autographs uh several of the voice actors were also doing recorded messages you know usually like an outgoing voicemail or whatever uh but i thought it would be cool to get folks to do liners for my podcast you know a liner is basically hey my name is so-and-so uh i do this and that and you're listening to mike cybert radio you know i i used to do that a lot in uh during the kgrg era and i i just kind of got out of the habit of it um a lot of it had to do with you know most of my interviews uh you know being over the phone and you know the phone ones don't always quite sound as good um you know in terms of like a liner or whatever and yeah it's it's just a practice i kind of kind of got out of it and and actually well full disclosure that i mean there's i uh, there was a time where i was um uh dinking around with changing the name like you know um for a stretch I thought Mike Seibert Radio was just kind of like a a temporary name. It wasn't what I was necessarily uh, going to stick with as a name for the podcast. It was just kind of like you know a a persona or whatever. But that's that's not here or there. Anyway, I uh, I I so I did get some liners from the uh, from a, a couple of the voice actors there at TFCon, and I thought I'd play some of those for you here now. These are unedited and unprocessed from the original recording. So this is basically straight from my field recorder here into the podcast for you. But I thought it would be fun to share these, uh, you know, kind of prototype rough raw uh, audio before I get them cleaned up and incorporated into future episodes. And again, uh, once I get them cleaned up, you'll hear them probably at the beginning of the show, um, and it'll be it'll be sexy. It'll sound really cool. Um, enjoy. Okay, now do you want me as Paul lighting and then go into tra- uh, Perceptor, or start with Perceptor? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Be you and then go into Perceptor. You got it. Hey there. Hey there. This is Paul lighting, also known as Perceptor from Transformers Generation 1. Cursory evaluation of your listening enjoyment and your choices in radio indicate you are quite bright. I'm going to take it over. I'm going to start over again because I want to do it. No problem. No problem. Take your time. Hey there. This is Paul Eiding, also known as Perceptor, Generation 1 Transformers. A cursory evaluation of your listening choices indicates you are incredibly bright. For you have chosen Mike Seibert Radio. Good on you. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Mike Seibert Radio. That's correct. Got it. I'm Mike Seibert and I host a show called Mike Seibert Radio. Got it. Okay. (laughs) Okay. You tell me when. Anytime? Yep. Yep. I'm rolling whenever you're ready. Hey there, this is Michael Bell. I'm the voice of, oh, a myriad of characters you may have grown up with. Uh, 
Let's see, Prowl from Transformers and uh, Bombshell and uh, Blowtorch and uh, Scrapper and Swoop. And then, of course, in G.I. Joe series, I was uh, Duke and Major Blood, if you remember that, and uh, a myriad of other characters. Uh, let's see, if you're not, not too old, you might remember me from uh, Rugrats, uh, Plastic Man, the Smurfs. Um, and the Super Friends and uh, Wonder Twins, uh, Jan, form of a bucket of ice, of jello, of snot, anything wet. And you are listening to Mike Seibert Radio. It's like a big uh, strawberry ice cream. Doesn't it just look delicious? Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's all about the popping, vibrant colors I've got going on. Yeah. And we, uh, is it working now? It, it's recording now. Hello, everybody. My name is Jack Angel. And I'm a voice actor. If you ever watched the the uh, original Transformers, I was the voice of Astro Train, Breakdown, Cyclonus, Omega Supreme, Ramjet, Smokescreen, and Ultra Magnus. Which Ultra Magnus is probably the favorite character that I did. That's one that Robert Stack did in the movie, and he was too big a movie star to do the series. So they threw the voice to me. And uh, so that was always fun. Uh, so I'm a voice actor and I did, uh, in addition to this, a whole lot of other stuff. I can't do any of the voices of, of these characters because they ran most of them through a synthesizer. And for an example, Astro Train sounded like he had two voices, but it was my voice and then they took a harmonic of that and ran it simultaneously with it. And so I looked, sounded like I had this double voice. So I can't do that for you, but I can do this one that you all grew up with. Hello, folks, I'm Smokey. Only you can prevent forest fires, and Smokey's friends don't play with matches. I did that one for about 10 years. There were several Smokies. And there's one now who's now doing only you can prevent brush fires. But that isn't me. Uh, so anyway, Mike, uh, is this good enough? And then say, um, and you're listening to Mike Seibert Radio. And you're listening to Mike Seibert Radio. I always wondered what happened to radio. Um. So Neil Ross wasn't doing uh, voice message recordings like the ones that you just heard. Um, he was doing something else. He uh, he would record a few line reads um, as a character. So I did get him doing a recording of his uh, a few different reads of his most famous line as Springer from Transformers the movie. I've got better things to do tonight than die. I've got better things to do tonight than die. I've got better things to do tonight than die. <laughs> so, and I, uh, um, another thing I did to kind of, you know, uh, support these folks is, you know, if, uh, if somebody had a book, I bought it. So it's like I bought Neil Ross's book, which is 
huge and thick. It's a book called uh, Vocal Recall. Uh, Dan Gilvezan, the uh, the voice of Bumblebee, he also had a book, uh, uh, Bumblebee and Me, uh, My Life as a uh, G1 Transformer. And then uh, uh, Jack Angel also had a, uh, a book about uh, voice acting. And um, so, yeah, so between that and my Ron Friedman book, I've got a I've got a like a like a stack of uh, reading material um, to uh, uh, to get into. But um, uh, but one voice recording that you won't hear is uh, a voice recording from Arthur Burkhart, the uh, the voice of Destro in G.I. Joe and Devastator in the Transformers. Uh, long story short, and this is a cautionary tale, um, if you are using a digital field recorder that requires a double tap to start recording, then make damn sure that you've double tapped it. I um didn't. And here's why. Um, and I I don't mean to disparage Mr. Berghart. He's a he's a lovely man, and meeting him was exactly how I imagined he would be. Very regal, you know, with his uh butterscotch leather jacket. But he um he was also a little prickly, um, a little particular. And by that, I mean, he seemed to be off put by just about everyone and what they asked him to sign uh, almost cartoonishly. Like there there was a time I wasn't sure if he was just doing shtick or if he was legitimately annoyed. Um, like, like for example, a dude rolled up with a third party, uh, mix master figure, uh, the leg of devastator and, you know, asked, uh, Sir Arthur to sign it. Now, Arthur Burghart has a very large, elaborate signature and to try to squeeze that onto a curved drum of a toy was a little odd. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they, they spent several minutes, uh, you know, almost arguing about it. And I thought it was pretty funny. I was, I was even, you know, kind of joking with, uh, with his handler about it. Uh, but for some reason, I didn't really give much consideration for what would happen when it would be my turn. I, um, so I, I had to explain what my poster was because he didn't recognize it. Now, granted, it was folded uh, with the title facing down. So basically the part that I gave for him to sign was basically you just kind of like see Optimus Prime's legs and Hot Rod kneeling down next to him. So it is kind of a weird image if you're uh, if you're not familiar with uh, with that version of the art. But then after I explained what I would like for him to record for me, he tells me, no. Um, 
it's a it's a slightly longer story, but basically, as he explained it, he said that what I was asking for would be an endorsement and an advertisement, and that we weren't prepared to do that today. And you know, he explained further, saying like, you know, he doesn't know anything about my podcast. For for all he knows, it could be like you know, alt right hate speech or something, and. And, you know, I, I, I get where he's coming from uh, to an extent, um, but what he could do uh, for me, what, what he said he could do for me was record a voicemail message like he had recorded for a few other folks that I had already heard him do while I was waiting in line. In fact, um, here's the message that Arthur did for IDW colorist and illustrator uh, Thomas Deere that he posted up on his Twitter page. Hello, my dear Cobra Commander and I wish you to leave a message for my captain, Tommy Deere of Cobra Command. And by the way, I am Destro, his commander-in-chief. You must leave a message at the sound of the tone, or else he will not call you back. Now do so on the instant when you hear the tone. Destro, out. So imagine that, as you just heard it, except instead substitute my name. Um, He said Mike Seibert from Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. And, you know, reflecting on it now, I, I really should have been paying attention because that... That was pretty much the only type of message that Arthur Burghardt did. Um, I, I could have saved myself a lot of time and a little bit of grief and just kept it simple rather than because like, you know, I I hadn't solicited you know, voice talent to do liners before. So I wasn't sure how exactly to commission it, but basically like I explained it to him, I was like, could you say, you know, my name is Arthur Burkhart and I'm the voice of Destro and you're listening to Mike Seibert radio. You know, that that's kind of how I envisioned it. And that's, and again, he wanted no part of that, but what I, you know, should have done is, is again, just, I, I already said it already, but yeah, just, uh, yeah, just, ah. the, the point I, I was making is like, you know, I, I think that's why I didn't remember to double tap on the recorder. I, I was rattled, you know, it was just like, I, I kind of like stepped outside of myself for a second. I'm like, am I having an argument with Arthur Burghardt? This is weird. It was, it was very surreal. And, and, uh, and so anyway, I, I ended up spending 40 bucks for a goofy story because, you know, um, I, I even had my headphones on. I could hear him recording into the microphone. But, yeah, I just I I didn't double tap and I didn't actually get it recorded. So um, so there it is. There's there's my Arthur Burkhart story. Um, but it wasn't just 
classic G1 voice actors that were there. You know, there there was uh, some Beast Wars folks and uh, some other folks that, that fans seemed uh, uh, really excited about. Uh, but I also got to meet uh, John Bailey, uh, who is the voice of Optimus Prime in the Combiner Wars cartoon, as well as the voice of both Soundwave and Shockwave in the Bumblebee movie. Um, and basically... His uh, his story is one of a fan done good. You know, he's he's a lifetime uh, lifetime Transformers fan, and he was inspired to do voice acting based upon Peter Cullen's uh, performance as Optimus Prime, and. And yeah, that was his inspiration. You know, he just practiced and imitated and all that to the point where he does it pretty, uh, pretty damn spot on. So, so I hit him up one just to you know congratulate him on getting the the gig uh, for the Bumblebee movie, um, and and to hear him talk about it, it's it's charming that it's still uh, surreal to him. It's like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm in the movie. That's uh, that's pretty darn cool. And I always love stories like that. Um, but yeah, I just, I, you know, I hit him up and had him do a, uh, um, liner for the podcast. Hi, this is John Bailey, the voice of Shockwave and Soundwave in the Bumblebee movie and Optimus Prime and Combiner Wars. And you are listening to Might Cyber Show. Autobots transform and roll out. It is the only logical choice. And you're listening to Mike Cyber Radio, all the way from Cybertron. Autobots transform and roll out. But on that, uh, speaking of guests, it wasn't just the voice actors uh, that were there at TFCon LA. Uh, several creators from the IDW comics and other fan artists were there as well. Um, uh, but Liz had some criticisms about how the artists were treated compared to the voice actors. I do have a lot more criticism of the show than I feel like I should. Um, okay. I, the, the size was fine, um, and we, we got a lot of ideas for Sidefest and everything. Um, we ended up, we got, we got some uh, raffle items uh, for Sidefest this year. That, that was pretty cool. Um, I, my biggest problem with TFCon was that the artists, the artist guests had to pay their own way. Uh, the only thing they were given was a table. Oh. Uh, and then the voice actor guests were paid to come. You know, they have their guarantees. They got they got flight, they got hotel, they got meal vouchers, and they, they you know, they spoiled them rotten, and then the artists were just kind of an afterthought. Um, and that, that that's not cool with me. Um, yeah. That's, that's, that's really a big issue for me. I, I, you know, the artists, they work hard. They, um, you know, they have a huge appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I get that a lot of the a lot of the voice actors too were local to LA, yeah. Um, so they didn't have to do a whole lot uh, to get there. But it's it's still like if you're going to offer that to one guest, I feel like it should be offered to all of them, mm-hmm. which is what we do at Sidefest. We you know artists get their they get the you know they get travel vouchers, they get re, we reimburse them for planes and hotels and stuff, and mm-hmm. that's you know that's standard. That I, I and I, I thought that was kind of an industry standard thing, but uh, it, 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 I heard about that, and uh, I heard you know the artists had canceled because they weren't you know they couldn't afford it, and I, right. I it, it makes me angry. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I hadn't I hadn't heard that. Like uh like like one of the the high points for me for my show was uh, meeting Jack Lawrence. You know, it's yeah. like yeah, it's like I mean he came all the way from UK. 
And yeah. and I think if I remember correctly, this might have been his first uh, a West Coast fan show. I'd I'd have to corroborate that. I mean, I I follow him on Twitter, and I remember him saying something about something being a first something for him. I mean, like this was like a big deal trip for him, and and he's an absolute delight. He's he's a really cool dude. Yeah, he he was super neat to talk to. Mm-hmm. A lot of the artists are just they're such friendly, personable people. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool to just meet them. Like like Brendan Cahill and I have, you know, we just we riff with we riff off each other constantly. We're just I met him I think at TFCon uh Charlotte right okay. after I met him at Sidefest. Um and we ended up we you know, we we follow each other on Twitter and we talk a lot. He's got a new webcomic mm-hmm. and I'm constantly, you know, we talk about that a lot. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we he, you know, we I ran into him at Emerald City, and we, we, you know, just talked a ton, and I was so excited to finally get a commission from him, because I had been under the impression he didn't do commissions, and I was like, hey, would you consider doing a commission for me? He was like, yeah, I'll add you to my Emerald City list, and I was like, there's a list, and you didn't tell me? Yeah, sometimes you got to be quick on that. Like, I, I learned that when I uh, went to Chicago last year. It's like, you know, I was just kind of, I, I actually turned on notifications. So, like, you know, it's like when Alex Milne's list opened up, I, I you know, got right on that. Because um, right. sometimes those those spots go really quick. Like, I think, uh, like, Casey Collar only did, like, I don't know, maybe, like, a, a dozen um, yeah. that, that he was taken for his list because I mean, these, these folks are so very busy, but, yeah. um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a really cool experience when you can connect with an artist on that level. Like, oh, yeah. um, like, I mean, I thought it was great that, uh, Margaret Scott made it out as well. Um, oh, yeah. I, I had her, uh, sign a whole bunch of, uh, you know, till all our ones and her, uh, uh, recent Batgirl run, uh, for DC comics. I don't know if you've checked that out, but it's really, really good. I've, I've heard a lot about it. Uh, but it's, uh, I'm not, I'm not huge into DC, but it's, sure. you know, just cause she's writing, it makes me want to go pick it up. And you know, one of my highlights was meeting Jack Lawrence, uh, the uh, the artist of the Lost Light comic. Uh, but he also did the art for issue number three of the Star Trek versus Transformers comic, and he was uh, he was actually selling his original art pages from that book. And as it turned out, uh, you know, he and I have uh, you know become acquainted on on uh, uh, Twitter and Facebook. In fact, I, I just saw a notification recently that that Jack Lawrence likes Mike Seibert Radio podcast, and that just kind of kind of made me shake my arms and wrists a little bit. That was pretty exciting. Um, but because of like the publishing schedule, uh, his issue of uh, Star Trek versus the Transformers came out after con season ended last year, and now the new season is just getting into full swing and starting up. So this is really like, you know, his his uh, first uh, convention for the year. And long story short, he had all of the pages from uh, his issue of Star Trek versus the Transformers. So I had my pick of all of the pages. I, I, I ended up just picking up two. Um, I was eyeballing more, but I, 
Uh, two was sufficient because like uh, the ones I got were really cool. Uh, one of them is uh, it's a page. Now again, this is page from a comic book, so it's you know it's storytelling also. But um, but the particular page that I bought features uh, a whole bunch of uh, my uh, favorite characters. It's very uh, economical that way. It's got it's got Starscream, it's got Soundwave, and Optimus Prime, uh, but also features. Spock and Bones McCoy as well. So that that's a lot of fun. Uh, but I was also, since I had my pick, I did pick up the final page of that issue, which is a uh, cliffhanger splash page featuring the debut of Fortress Tiberius, the uh, the mashup character uh, of the Enterprise and Fortress Maximus. I um, Now... I know I uh, I was really critical of uh, the design of Fortress Tiberius. In fact, uh, me and Ryan Jett from uh, from Autobot Decepticast, we did a whole podcast about it. Neither one of us had read the issue. It was just kind of hot takes on the design. But uh, but the page itself, you know, just uh, Jack Lawrence's line art. Um, uh, it was really, really cool. And, and another thing that was neat about it, and I didn't realize this, that the um, uh, I, I don't remember if it was fully inked, but like he was um, even at the table before he gave the pages to me, he was filling in. Uh, some ink spots and, you know, kind of like doing some extra finishes um, on the page, which is which is weird because like, you know, I I I only own a couple pages of original uh, comics art and the ones that I have have I mean, they're they're from DC Comics. They're they're from uh, Green Lantern issues from the uh, late 90s. Anyway, the um um, there's, you know, all kinds of like text and print and junk and all that other stuff on the page. Very artifacty that, that makes them look really cool. But, uh, but with these, uh, these original pages, uh, from Jack Lawrence, it was just, um, I don't know. It was weird that they, they, it looked less like original comic page art and more just like, um, regular art. You know, if if that makes sense, I don't think I'm explaining that very well. But yeah, it was just like so it didn't have any of like the captions or the speech bubbles or any of the other uh, artifacty stuff, um, uh, which I thought was cool because it, it makes the art really prominent and really uh, stand out, especially on that uh, cliffhanger uh, splash page. Now, um, as we get closer to wrapping up, um, let's uh, let's talk about our favorite things about TFCon LA. Um, let's start with Ben. My favorite stuff, uh, well, obviously getting to meet a lot of the voice actors and mm-hmm. having a, a little bit more time to actually talk to them. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I talked to the voice of Daniel for quite a bit uh, when he had really nobody in line at that point and talked to him about what his where his career had gone and, and what his interests are and what kind of brought him back into uh, being in the public versus just being behind the scenes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He produces game shows and stuff like that. So it was it was great talking to him and and talking to some of the voice actors and um, and 
yeah, and some and for me, some of the panels were really were really really top notch. Like the the writer uh, panel for All Spark Almanac. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed the animated panel just because I really loved that series. And uh, even though it was more of a Q and A strictly format, it was it was cool uh, doing that. And I understand that not everybody has just stuff to show, but I'm more of a visual person. Yeah. So. Um, I like seeing stuff as well as hearing stuff, and uh, and sometimes uh, the questions were a little bit harder to hear, and uh, we we usually tend to sit in the back, uh, towards the middle, uh, so that uh, where it's a little bit less people, so that if my son does make a little bit of noise, it's not disrupting anybody else's experience. Oh sure, yeah, um, and so yeah, so it was sometimes a little hard to hear what the questions were, and so then you hear just the answer. Um, there's very little that was just like not a good experience. And let's hear from Chris and Tim about their favorite parts of TFCon LA. I would offer my favorite thing was, uh, and I, I mimic what you say, Mike, but I, I, I'm in genuine uh, concert with you. And that is, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed spending family time down there with, with both of you boys. Um, but having my eyes open to a, a new kind of fandom, that yeah. too in itself was very exciting and it, it, it's it's made a lifelong fan out of me i'm uh i i know i'll uh i'll be going to toronto if i don't do toronto it'll definitely be dc um and hopefully it'll be with both of you guys there as well as well as our new friends yeah you know the the gathering that we had that night was awesome you know the people coming in and out of our conversations and it was always Transformer base too, mostly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, it was. I, it was. I, I, I really, I really came across, you know, still having a couple young ones at home. How family friendly it was, you know. Even though we're talking about being at the bar, that was late at night. <laughs> the, the, you know, just having the kids there. You know, I, I know there was big business going on, but the kids were in there looking at the toys, loving it. And then, you know, it was. And when I say kids, you know, I'm talking. 18 and younger oh sure sure (laughs) but yeah it was it was just and also the sense of being reinvigorated by transformers like i was when i was a kid Mm -hmm. i I really i you know i i I come home and i'm I'm now looking online a lot about the toys and the comics (laughs) like kind of diving in now I, I sent you a photo of a, a bunch of comics I just bought. Mm-hmm. That was that was a promise to myself before I bought any other comic. I would uh, replace what was stolen from me about thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was so excited wow. about maybe getting back into the comic world that I I actually went out to a store and started replacing mm-hmm. what was stolen from me. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like like for for a hot minute, I mean, you know, I whew, almost thirty years ago. Good God, I I don't know when we got old, but man, we got old. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I, mean I, I I mean, Tim, you were you were really into comics for for a hot minute there. Oh yeah, I remember uh, there was one birthday there. You got me some great stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember that, and uh, that was part of part of what got stolen, and it was just so disheartening at the time, and then I just let it go. Yeah, but you know, after after the TFCon weekend, I was like, you know, it, it's it's reinvigorated my want to, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And back to Liz for some of her favorites as well. 
there was a lot of cool art there. That was my, my big focus going in. I don't really collect toys very much anymore, aside from a, a few specific completionist things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just collect Windblade and RC as far as Transformers goes, and I didn't find anything I didn't already have. Um, but I, I went in to buy art pretty much. Um, I got a lot of stickers. I got a lot of buttons. And I got a lot of prints that I still haven't found a room for anywhere. <laughs> they're just still sitting in their little protectors on my desk. Like, I don't know where I'm going to put these, but they're really cool. Um, I spent something like $1,200 uh, between Comic-Con and TFCon, uh, mostly on just art. Sure. Um, and I got a lot of commissions. Um, I, I mean, part of that, too, that's uh, in my in my defense, uh, was uh, a hotel and uh, flight. Oh, sure, so, yeah. It, it's not as bad as it sounds, I swear. Uh, <laughs> I can stop whenever I want. But uh, it's, I, I spent a lot of money on art that I maybe shouldn't have spent, but I, I'm really happy with everything I got. Um, you know, the art was fun. There was a lot of really cool cosplay builds there. Uh, I passed out a lot of Sidefest business cards to try and get people who were local to the Northwest area to come. Um, we uh, that's, that's pretty much it for me. It was really exciting. We did a lot of cool stuff. I got, I got to ask you, Mike, what's yeah, yeah. your favorite part of the show? Wow. You know what? I uh, I I had a um, wholly different experience uh, from what you guys had because, sure. one, I, I'm a, you know, not, not to be all, you know, high on myself about it, but I'm, I'm a uh, fan. Here con- we go. Well, I, I'm, I'm a fan <laughs> convention veteran. Like, for example, I've, I've been going to Emerald City Comic Con every year that it's been a thing so we're going on like 17 years now and but but that's in my backyard so it's like i can you know drive there from home or in more recent years uh go there after work you know it's like i've really kind of spent a lot of time taking for granted you know just how close and all that but but uh, so i so i'm i understand the convention scene but it wasn't until uh tfcon in chicago last fall where i had the opportunity to travel for a fan convention like you know it's like i i've never aspired to want to go to san diego comic-con i mean it's just you know it's it it's drifted so far from comic books and fan culture and all that and you know emerald city's kind of flirting with that and getting close but now when you say drifted are you are, are you suggesting that it's commercial uh, yeah, I mean, and very much uh, the the big studios, uh, big TV, big movies. Um, so and, and, a, a great launch point for movies, uh, comic books. That's what I'm gathering that San Diego must be for, for a lot of these studios and is a great launch point. Oh, absolutely. It's it is okay. it, it's pop culture central. So well, um, and TFCon, on the contrary, is, is nowhere near that level of. Uh, of uh, commercialism, um, right? And it, it's, it, I would say, it almost felt like a family reunion. Oh, very and, much. And I know so. that's simplifying it, but it, it people really genuinely felt comfortable in their exchanges. There, it wasn't a, a standoff. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a producer. You can't talk to me. Uh, exactly. Or it, it really seemed like a great environment for for those that were in, indulged in and in mm-hmm. uh, or want to be indulged in the Transformer culture. Absolutely, uh, the, the early generation. 
Well, and, and Chris, you're not wrong with the with the relate that it's a uh, family atmosphere because in in a fandom like this, everybody knows each other. And yeah. so, like, uh, the, the convention organizers, they travel from con to con. So, like, you know, the, the folks I met in Chicago are the same folks that were here or, or there in L.A., and they're the same folks that are going to be in Toronto. It's the same, you know, group of uh, staff and con organizers. And... Uh, with with like the guests, you know, like say like you know the the comic book creators or even some of the vendors and dealers, fan artists, uh, up to the voice actors themselves. Arguably, it's a relatively small pool, so sure. there there's sure. a, there's a lot of folks knowing each other. But one of one of the most heartwarming things I heard, and I didn't uh, I didn't see this for myself. I don't know which panel it was. But um, since this was kind of billed as a Generation One reunion um, for yeah. the 35th anniversary of the brand, and with it being in Los Angeles, so many of the folks are already there. So um, that that's where you get so many of these voice actors. You know, it's convenient for them. You know, they can just you know just drive over and don't have to worry about flights and travel and and all of that other stuff. But the the most heartwarming thing I heard about is that uh, several of these voice actors haven't seen each other in sometimes like twenty to thirty years. So wow. like I I like I said I forget which panel it was but um but yeah it was like they they like you know a couple of them like stood up and hugged um you know I th- I think maybe yeah. it was uh Arthur Burghardt and Jack Angel if I if I'm not mistaken but I'd have to uh somebody sharpshoot me on that at Mike Cybert Radio but uh yeah no I, it's uh but yeah it's just you know just warm genuine hugs and you know it's it, it is very much a family thing and with TFCon with it being a fan run convention it does kind of have that um I don't. I don't know. Kind of a homey feeling, you know. It's it's kind of it's kind of like a more intimate, um, not low budget. That's not the not the right word I'm looking nope. for. But nope. but it's definitely not that. Right. It's uh you know less corporate. It feels less corporate, and that's uh, that's that's very welcoming. <clears throat> and you know the, the the great thing is from from my perspective as as an outsider, first time uh, adventurer into this, um, it was so well organized. Yeah, they they took you by the hand when you walked in, especially with me and Bedoya. I look, I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what I'm doing. And they just took me by the hand and said, "Let's let's go this way, Mister Fox." And, and they they treated me with with great respect, with not having any understanding of what's going on mm-hmm. as far as uh, the culture or or the storylines. You know, just kind of an outsider looking in. Uh, they were fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I I must say that that group that, that puts this together, they've They've done a great job. They've done a really good job with this. Absolutely. Well, and and they, at this point, they do it a few times a year. You know, it's like uh, they just did Chicago. L.A. has happened. Uh, Toronto is coming. And then after that, deeper in the fall, you know, they're they're going back to D.C. So, I mean, it's. D.C. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just saw that. I thought that was pretty cool. That's going to be out in my backyard. Yeah, that's uh that's going to be October 25th through the 27th. That's uh that's going to be at the Hyatt Regency in Reston, Virginia. They're calling it uh, TFCon DC 2019. 
So. Yeah, you know what? Then just, just thinking about that, it, it, it might be a good idea to maybe uh, plan a trip with my kids to go out there. See, uh, yeah, you know, knowing there that you it's, knowing that there it's a go. safe place to bring my kids. You know, uh, you know, just going back to how this was run. I mean, everybody was so approachable from the fans to the vendors to the voice actors. I mean, you you could talk to. There was no worry about talking to anybody or saying or asking questions. It was. It really brought, it was as, as a fan from the 80s and not really have dived into it mm-hmm. since then, it was, like, it was like coming back home, you know? Yeah. And seeing these, these voice actors that I've, you know, there's some of the greats, you know, Devastator and Astro, you know, these voices that you remember. Mm-hmm. And there's a, vo- there's a face and you're like, well, you know, it was, it was awe-inspiring, really. Awesome. So I uh, I just realized I was collecting my thoughts there. I realized that I I hadn't answered Chris's question yet. I was doing too much setup. Uh, Chris, you had asked me what my favorite part of TFCon was, and it's it it's it's sappy. So just so so bear with me a sec. And ironically Bring enough, it, on, it had absolutely nothing to do with what was on the show floor or any of the guests or any any toys or anything like that it was saturday night where we're hanging out in the bar and it's and for me what it was is it was um a uh convergence of family old friends and new friends so it's like I just I looked around like there was at one point where we were sitting uh, sitting by a table there was like you know like this uh, you know mushroom heater fire pit thing going on and we're and we're just sitting here shooting the breeze you know and you know listen listening to uh, um, our new friend Jason talk about this uh, uh, this uh, transformer that he paid way too much money for um, but you know I it, love Jason man what a, what a great story there that that dude yeah. is yeah anyway that that dude super cool but but that's what it was because to me even more so than all of the other cool stuff it's like yeah just just family and friends united by fandom and that's it was just it it was a wonderful experience and if you ask me what my takeaway is it's that it's it's that experience. Like I said, I mean, you know, I, I had my boy Aaron with me. I had my I had my new buddy Jason. And I had you guys, and and it was really a pleasant surprise that um, that you guys came down. I you know even until like the zero hour, I don't know if I believed it until I actually saw you because because it was one of those things where you know Chris, I think you texted me. You're like, so we're going. I'm like. Yeah. Wait, wait, what? And it and it didn't it didn't register. Like, wait a sec. So, so um, you guys are going to fly to Los Angeles to go to this Transformer convention? <laughs> um, okay. Uh huh. Sure you are. Well, and and quite frankly, I, and I I shared this with Lucky as well. I I um. So when I go on you know trips or well shit not even trips uh just you know when when I do stuff that I've already got like some uh plans and expectations and thoughts and stuff I I I got to share with you guys I got to be honest I I told Lucky I'm like 
I don't know if I can entertain these guys and do all of the stuff I want to do too because I, I had I had like a packed schedule and all of that. Yeah, you did. Yeah, well, you did. and and turns out wasn't an issue because uh, wouldn't you know it that uh, uh, the Fox brothers can can take care of themselves and entertain themselves uh, on their own. So we we do okay in that department, mm-hmm. but you know, Mike, you, you're spot on. I I did love that night. That was uh, that was a fun one. That was a, that's a favorite for me. Um, just being out of our world. Yeah. As far as, you know, just hanging out um, and, and, and kind of, for, for me, right, digging into or being a part of your world was a was great, great experience. Um, but then yeah. even more over, the, 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 the glue that brings everybody together in this night, and that's Transformers. Yeah. It, it, was, it was great. It was fantastic. I Honestly, I, I, uh, I haven't really approached him on this yet, but I think I want to go to Toronto. I think Toronto's in our budget. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm thinking this is a must do. Well, that, as long as Mikey's there. So that obviously brings up the perspective of future TFCon shows, and I'd like to go back to Ben for a little more on that. I, I went in with little expectations. I found a couple things that I, I wanted to buy, a couple Bumblebee things. Mm-hmm. Um. Nothing earth shattering. Um, it was it was a great experience, and uh, I actually have asked myself, like, would I go to another TFCon? Um, I don't know if I had such a, a a great time that I would be going to it every year. Okay. Um, I certainly don't know if I would go to TFCon Toronto or wherever or Canada or or, mm-hmm. or even Chicago uh, without having a main. A, driving motivation um for i mean i went to botcon from 07 to 2013 right and so i went every year um and it was i was i was hooked on it mm-hmm. and um and i think i think tfcon is missing one of the big things that that really connected with me for the transformer convention is the connection to hasbro Yes, and and the fact that you're seeing new product, and you get to look in the case and see the stuff that that you haven't seen before, and and kind of like get excited over what you you know when you're going to see it on the shelf. I'm not a third party collector. Okay. So the excitement of seeing all the third party figures in those glass cases, while it's there, those figures are impressively made. Mm-hmm. I, I there's no denying that. Um they're just a bit out of my price range as far as like buying just a figure. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, um, I tend to save my high end buying for the masterpiece figures. And because has, uh, Hasbro Takara have a slower pace to release them. Uh, it's, it's much more affordable versus, you know, there's a third party company coming out with a, a new figure every other week, practically it seems like, and, and the masterpiece ones come much quicker. Yeah. Um, than, than what Hasbro does, and they're really, really well done. Um, but for me, it's like uh, I'll just stay with official, and that way it slow it slows my pace down, uh, <laughs> and maybe I'll never get those characters that I really, really want. Um, but I also don't open up my wallet to <laughs> just sure. have money fly out. Um, <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, there was some panels that Hasbro does 
at at BotCon where it's like you get kind of inside the toy design and the the thought process they've shown like here are some color schemes we were thinking about doing for this figure an alternate character that we were going to do and Mm -hmm. some stuff that didn't make the cut and stuff like that so I love seeing that kind of stuff um and maybe that's what we need. We need to get like Aaron Archer to Sidefest and have him talk about what there we what go. might have been. That would be a great thing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I, yeah, I, that was the thing that took me and Jason a few uh, uh, for a little while to kind of connect. What is it different about this? What is it? What is TFCon missing? Yeah. Um, and and I, I know people love their third party stuff, and so sure going to TFCon. And hearing about the third party stuff is like me going to Botcon and hearing about the Hasbro stuff. And it, but you know, it's just kind of different, different focuses and stuff like that. But uh, we did pick up a uh, a uh, one of the exclusives to mm-hmm. be a raffle item at, at Sidefest. So, Ooh. And I saw uh, some of those exclusives too, so I'll, I'll be really excited to turn up at Sidefest to see which which one it is. And and oh, I get... have no problem revealing <laughs> that we got that we got that G two Starscream. Oh, very cool. So there you go. There's a there's a Mike Hewitt, uh exclusive right there. We're <laughs> we're announcing our first raffle. Nice, very so, cool. Yeah, we we went back and forth. None of us had a lot of space left in our yeah suitcases. <laughs> With going to a BotCon, I was being a big suitcase because of the box set yeah. that you get and all the extra figures and stuff like that. But I was like, you know what? I don't want to have to pay for checking a bag and stuff like that. And so both my son and I brought really small bags that we mm-hmm. could do carry on and, and stuff. So I was limited with the amount of space I had, and we, we filled it. So I didn't have a lot of room. So luckily, Jason had some room, so he picked up the, the figure. And we picked up a couple other uh fun little items to uh, to be raffle items and stuff like that so very cool and that that toy is huge that uh that that make toys screamer it's a uh, you know it's star scream in g2 colors it's oh it's so rad i mean but again it was you know we were talking earlier about price point i looked at it and i'm like i don't know if i can spend that for that because I mean I, I don't even necessarily have a spot in my collection for it so I would like be building a collection kind of around it and I'm just like I, I don't know about all that but uh, uh, but I'm I'm incredibly excited that that's going to be a raffle item I, I'm sure I'm going to throw more than a couple tickets that direction so <laughs> yeah I mean I, if I remember correctly it's like $145 so I mean there you go we just spent $145 in side fest money to get mm-hmm. a really high end uh, raffle prize that not everybody in our area gets uh, access to you know unless they go to the show or pick it up on eBay. So, you know, yeah. that's, that's some of the fun stuff that we can do. Uh, and, and may, may, maybe that will be our motivation to go to future concerts. Like, Hey, we can pick up. Ah, there you go. Stuff and, Cause yeah, he's, like he's a TF con exclusive. So, you know, if you didn't get him yeah. at the show, um, you know, you, you've, you've got, now you've got scalpers and eBay to deal with. Um, so yeah, having the opportunity to bring some of those exclusives back um, as raffle prizes is really cool. I, I just happened to have it up on my computer screen here. He's a gorgeous figure. He really yeah. is. Uh, amazing. And how about you, Liz? Would you go to another TF con? 
Um, it depends on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, TFCon LA was an easy sell for me because I have so many friends in the LA area um, that I, I really didn't have an excuse to not go. Sure. Um, I, ha- I have four friends just in that Burbank area alone, and uh, three of them were interested in TFCon, and one of them j- was just like, "Yeah, let's hang out." So it's you know it, it was kind of a given for me to go to LA because um, I'm always looking for excuses to go to LA. Um, as far as, you know, I, I don't have any urge to go to TFCon DC. Um, I, I am getting peer pressured a little bit to go to TFCon Toronto, but I don't know if the funds will be there. Sure. Um, but I, I had fun. Um, I think if it, you know, when it's convenient for me to go, I will go. Um, when it's not, I, I don't have any huge traveling urge to do so. It was my understanding that TFCon LA was, you know, quote unquote, TFCon USA for 2019. And then they right. And then they're like, see us in D.C. And I was like, oh, all right. (laughs) Yeah. It's so I don't I don't I don't know if I understand that model. I mean, they have the money. I say go for it. But, you know, I don't either. (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 a puzzle. Um, Right. And, you know, I mean, just, I mean, depending upon what folks' agenda is, you know, um, you're going to, I mean, there, there's only a certain pool of uh, voice actors, you know, right. and there's... L.A. was easier because, you know, everyone lives there. Like, literally, Aaron Hansen just walked in off the street and was like, hey, guys, what's going on here? And we were like, oh, TFCon. He's like, oh, yeah, all right, cool. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you're right. And that's how uh, uh, David Mendenhall ended up there. He wa- he wasn't a scheduled guest. He rolled in like Saturday afternoon and then ended up tabling on Sunday just because like he was he was there. He and was local. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I remember I read that on their Facebook page because someone was uh, complaining they didn't have anything for him to sign. Mm-hmm. And they were like, dude, he walked in as a fan and we offered him a table and he said, sure. Yeah. Like, I well, was like, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say no if he walks in. Well, and it was kind of the same thing with Vince DiCola, too. You know, it's like he, he kind of came in low key and signed for like a couple hours on Saturday and a couple hours on Sunday, too. And it wasn't it, it was, you know, very much a last minute thing. And, you know, and I saw a lot of folks kind of complaining about that also. Like, oh, I, I traveled. I, I'd have brought my albums or or whatever. And yeah. I, I'm still at a point where kind of like hot take. I'm not sure what to think about that because. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, I can get kind of, you know, oh, man, I wish I brought my album, but I don't get being mad that they're there. Yeah, exactly. That's and, and that's what it was. I mean, because I mean, I, I stood in his line. I had him autograph my poster. I bought a CD from him. And yeah, I mean, had I known I'd have brought stuff also. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I wasn't excited to get that experience while I was there. It was like, oh, cool! It's right. a it's it, it's a surprise. <laughs> so, <Right>. I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, yeah, it's a. I, I get being irritated that you didn't know, but I, I don't get being irritated that they're there. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's a that's a great call. Now, as for me, I I haven't committed to anything. Um, you know, there, there's, there's plans rumored and thought processes maybe to be had, uh, but I'm not going to commit to anything, uh, here and now, but as long as that there are a couple cool bars to hang out with my friends in, then I could totally be there for that scene. 
As I understand it, though, Mike, wasn't there an actor or three hanging out in that bar? When you, when yeah, you yeah, yeah. So it was interesting. So we, uh, you know, it, it's it's deep Saturday night, uh, and Aaron and I are there. There's there's a couple other hangers on, including our friend Jason. That's probably how we ended up there because I think Jason just kind of kept dragging us along. But we uh, we ran into a, a, a actor named uh, David Mendenhall, who you yeah. might know as. As the voice of Daniel, the uh, yeah. um, from Transformers the movie and season three of the Transformers cartoon, um, he was also in the uh, Sylvester Stallone arm wrestling movie Over the Top. Um, and exactly. So yeah. So and yeah, that's him. So yeah, and he. Um, it, it's interesting. So like, he wasn't an announced guest. Um, he's, he's attended many TF cons before, but this one, um, you know, I, I don't know what the story is, but basically what happened is he turned up Saturday afternoon and of course the show organizers knew him because, you know, that, that, that connected family type thing i was talking about earlier uh but they're but they're like hey do you uh do you want a table and you know we can we can hook you up he's like yeah sure whatever so so they 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 created some table space for him and but he uh he spent most of his time just kind of bopping around and and uh yeah he ended up in the uh in the bar uh deep saturday night with uh with me and aaron and jason and uh another uh content creator he's a, a podcaster youtuber uh uh named vangelis uh who's uh who's huge in the in the Transformers fan community. So we're all just we're all just chit-chatting and it's it's one of those it, it was it was almost my favorite moment but a lot of that time is gone now. It's 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 in it's in the fog. So I don't know because I don't know what we talked about. I I just know that that he was really gracious with us, and we were cool to him. And it was it was just you know fun. it was just fun, and we were just we were fans hanging out. But it was one of those things where yeah, it's like you know when when you try to. When you find yourself in a certain state on a deep Saturday and you kind of have to, like, put concentration into what you're saying, um, I found myself doing that a time or two where, you know, where it's like I do the the sentimental uh, but seriously comma statement. And I'm like, I'm like, but seriously, you know, your your uh, your performance and your contribution to this movie means a lot to a lot of us. And that uh, that that reminded me of a conversation that Aaron and I had had with uh, this. This was earlier in the day, um, uh, again in the in the outside uh, tiki bar. But we we ran into a, a voice actor named uh, Michael Horton, who uh, played uh, Chip Chase in season uh, season two of the. I think he was in season one also. Uh, anyway, he he was he was Chip Chase, the uh, uh, the uh, Spike's friend who was in the wheelchair. Um, that oh, character. Yeah. So anyway, so this <clears throat> was this was this guy's very first fan convention, and oh, wow. and there were a few folks like that. So it's like he didn't really know exactly what to expect and what to do. And when we saw him, he was he was just taking in some lunch and just you know kind of decompressing for a few and and and. Aaron was already there. I think I just I came to the scene late, but um, I rolled up to him and, you know, uh, introduces himself. And and I guess pro tip for anybody listening, if you if you find yourself 
in a situation where it's like, you know, a guest of the convention or somebody, you know, that has some kind of celebrity status, just be cool. Don't uh don't yeah. don't be that person where you're you know oh my god it's so awesome blah blah blah. Um, I I told a story on my podcast last week about just you know just kind of just kind of slow rolling and just be cool and then you know maybe after you shake their hand and see them off maybe you tell them you're a huge fan or whatever. But but anyway this uh the, this guy Michael Horton he um he again hadn't been to a fan convention before and I. I I broke it down for him. I go uh, no because he was he was talking about the fan response and that he wasn't prepared uh, for so much response. Like he you know he put some uh, photos on the table and people were just you know snapping them up and you know buying autographs wow. and getting pictures and he uh, you know for for a job that he did. 35 years ago you know he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't quite in a space where it's like oh the these fans are really into this stuff um and and i broke it down for him i was like well the character that you played um is important to a lot of people in the fandom because the thing about chip chase is like you know he he was the he was the smart nerdy kid you know the 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 computer guy you know you wore glasses stereotypical nerd and the the way i explained it to him is that on the page it's not like you know a scene direction wheelchair guy you know it just it just happened to be he was portrayed as a as a helpful character first and not necessarily like you know oh today uh uh chip chase faces his uh ultimate enemy stairs you know it's like you know the the wheelchair had nothing to do with the plots of the story that he was in but there's um but there's there's one particular quote uh, from uh, from a particular episode, and I'll I'll dub the audio in here uh, for folks to hear it. But but it's uh it's so they're on a mission to Cybertron. They have to they have to get to Wheeljack's lab to get some kind of doodad uh, to save Optimus Prime's life because he's he's been injured. They they have to get this magic doodad, and the Decepticons have made like this acid rain. And that only affects the Transformers. So you've got like you know Wheeljack and Bumblebee and Trailbreaker, and they're just like you know they're they're weak. They can't move for some reason. This this acid rain doesn't affect humans. I don't I I don't get it. But anyway, so um, so it's up to Chip Chase to rally the uh these uh the transformers to make it to wheeljack's lab to get the doohickey but he has this iconic line where he says you know um nobody is truly disabled as long as they have courage and you know and so basically that's you know and then bumblebee's like yeah yeah you know we need to you know we we need to you know find our courage and and go you know complete our mission and you know because our friends are counting on us and that line means a lot in the fandom and it means a lot to uh uh to you know the folks that rolled up to this guy's table sure. and so i told him yeah. that story and he was just like gobstruck for a half a sec and it's just That's like cool. yeah it was it was uh it, it, that that was a really cool experience also just uh again just chilling and in a in a more comfortable environment than being at the convention table explaining to somebody 
why this this fandom means something to us. It was uh, it, it was a really cool experience. Absolutely, that is that's a great story, Mike. I love that. <laughs> uh, that is good stuff. The uh, y- you actually hit on something there, and that was on that uh, the bit about the acid rain. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting to hear the writers talk about how pertinent current events in the news actually related to a lot of the stories that they did in the day. Oh, and uh, it, it, it was kind of it, it was a revelation that these writers actually are taking from the news and and from from situations around the world, uh, locally, whatever, and they're applying them to the, these these great stories that they tell. Um, you know, I, they're not. Uh, uh, it, it's just it, it was it was a revelation to hear that. So also, uh, both Liz and Ben uh, were at TFCon, uh, obviously as fans first, uh, but they're also in prep mode for CybeFest Northwest. Uh, that's going to be happening July 27th at the uh, Kent Commons Community Center across from the Showware Center in Kent, about, I don't know, 25, 30 miles south of Seattle. I, I know the distance changes every time I mention it, but uh, but I, I had to ask them uh, what takeaways they had uh, for CybeFest based upon their experience at TFCon. Uh, let's start with Ben. Yeah, it was a much different experience because uh, going to BotCon, I was just going as a fan. Going to TFCon, I was going as a fan and someone who runs my own show. And so um, I did uh, Jason, who also helps run the show, and Liz, who uh, helps, who's been brought on to run the, help run the show uh, this year. Um, we all kind of kept an eye out for things that we liked, that we didn't like, and um, and then we talked about it when we could, and we all just happened to be in the same place. Uh, I know that, you know, not, not everything is going to be done the way that we would do it, and we don't do it the way that other people do it. Sure. And so it was interesting to see um, how, how different uh, TFCon does certain things. Like, uh, I know they, they used to have a screening room, but they didn't do it anymore, and it sounds like they're not going to do it again uh, because it sounds like, from my understanding, people would just drop their kids off and just leave them there, which is a liability nightmare. Oh, yeah. Um, but, um, but you know, the lack of, of things for kids to do um, really stood out and how it was almost entirely focused on the adult fan. Mm-hmm. Um like for SciFest, we do have a kids area. It's right there in the dealer room, so that you know the parents are right there, mm-hmm. and we we don't give any illusion that we have somebody watching them. They like if you're going to have your kid play in the play area, you need to be with them or within, you know, I you know being able to see them and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, I mean, they handled the the lines really well. It wasn't overly crowded. Um, I thought the the scheduling uh, was was really well done. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of how they did the trivia contest mm-hmm. uh, because the person who was hosting it, well, had a you know a lot of questions and stuff like that, and did multiple rounds to get as many people playing. The strictly Jeopardy format. If he didn't catch somebody not saying in the form of the question, it was they got the points, but then there was other times where he would catch somebody. So it was very like 
subjective and if he oh. happened to be paying attention. And so some people would get points regardless of whether they answered in the form of a question. And so that was a little frustrating, especially when you have a kid. Yeah. And the kid's not getting points because he didn't answer in the form of a question, but an adult didn't answer in the form and he still got points. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so watching it that way, it's like, eh, I, it made me appreciate what Jason and I do for um, the trivia contest for Sidefest mm-hmm. and how we how we don't just keep it just question, answer, question, answer uh, format and tr- try to change it up each year. And um, so that was something that we, we do differently and that, uh, you know, but there is an appreciation for that format of the Q&A and just really see who knows their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing what panels I like to go to and stuff like that, that kind of helps direct what I want to try to have at at Sidefest. Um, but, you know, for us, it's we don't have huge voice actors doing panels right, and stuff like that. Right. Um, so we're, we're, we're limited to who can put on a presentation and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I've got some ideas for... Uh, panels that I want to try to try to incorporate uh, for the convention and have uh, a little bit more in the way of displays for people to look at because uh, we're just we want to add more value and entertainment yeah. to the show itself um, beyond just uh, go to the dealer room buy your toys and leave we want to make sure we want we want people to stay there all day and mm-hmm. and have a good time and hang out and socialize and stuff like that so we're we're constantly trying to think of ways to to encourage people to stay mm-hmm. and to engage um, with other other fans and stuff like that. So that's that's one of our big takeaways. Uh, I got to talk to some voice actors and found out a little bit more on how you know booking them works and stuff like that. And I was under some mis, uh, misconceptions. I was told some things that were wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Uh, so yeah, so I mean it's it's something that it kind of encouraged me to explore some yeah. more. Um, uh, I love having our artists there, and I talked to some other artists um, about coming to the show and stuff like that. And because we're a smaller show, I want to make sure people's expectations, especially for voice actors and people who are traveling, is met, and mm-hmm. not I'm not going to upsell our show. And say, oh, you're gonna it's, you're gonna make so much money and stuff like that, and then have them come and be uh, frustrated with you know not selling very much yeah. or whatever because our, our you know foot traffic is you know about two fifty to three hundred people right now, uh, and I and I want people to to go into Sidefest with a, a realistic expectation and not mm-hmm. I'm just going to try to flood this convention full of people and and have a great turn out for one year and then have bad word of mouth after that. I want, I want a realistic expectation for, for people. Yeah. Uh, sustainability is, is the name of the game. Yeah. And, and we've, we always said we're going to, we're going to grow this show and we, we didn't try to shoot for the moon our first year and the first few years. Hmm. Um, we got, you know, we got some artists, which was something that was more than what Sidecon did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sidecon was a little bit smaller show, and you know, we've been trying to add more value. Um, actually, having panels and having, uh, you know, pretty 
pretty good raffle items and stuff like that. And uh, mm-hmm. and the activities that we we do have at the at SideFest. So um, that was something that I was kind of surprised that there wasn't a lot to beyond going to dealer rooms and going to panels. There wasn't mm-hmm. a lot other stuff to do. It was it was that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that that is one thing that's interesting about TFCon. Kind of their their brand and their model is like they 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 do the one thing and they do that one thing very well. Um, yeah. And you know, in other mixed company I, I've chatted with, it's like it's I I kind of like that they kind of stay in their lane and stick to what they know because that's that's where like a show can. Um, get out of control like if you have like you know multiple competing panels i mean it's like i i look at the i mean it's maybe kind of apples and oranges but i look at like kind of like the the meteoric growth of emerald city comic-con uh right once upon a time that was a one-day show in an exhibition center next to a football stadium Yes, there were, you know, like some top tier uh, creative talents and a lot of great exhibitors, but it was like this, like, I don't know. I mean, it was it was a big local show. I, um, um, I, I, I like the model of, say, um, like a like a Jet City comic show where it's like you've you've uh, you've got a little bit of everything. You've got like, you know, some mid tier celebrity folks that 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 folks will remember some nostalgia there and, you know, some uh, uh, really good uh, vendors and exhibitors. And and yeah, and all the while it kind of has like this um, uh, very uh intimate kind of down home type of time a homey feel i i guess that's why i'm looking for kind of like a homey feel and i feel i feel the tfcon has a little bit of that and i feel like if it got bigger it it would it would become sanitized kind of like in the way that emerald city comic-con has yeah and and tfcon is is big enough that it, it does feel like a um i mean there's definitely like a business yeah. side of it oh yeah and and you, you don't i don't know how much fun the guys who are organizing or whoever organizes it is having with mm-hmm. the show and and that they get to enjoy the show um that was always something we wanted to do with SciFest is to make sure that you know us putting it on still get to have a good time and uh it, it could be something that you know we just it we would lose that if we got so much bigger yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this scene, it seems like TFCon's doing two a year, if not three a year now. Yeah. Uh, which, which is so, blown my mind. It's crazy. Right. So it really kind of puts us in a, in a strange spot for SideFest because how do we grow a show, um, to the point where people will travel for it if there's already a show that's kind of somewhat in their region? Mm-hmm that is able to do it bigger you know why will people travel to seattle to go see to go to a side to do side fest and meet a couple of voice actors when they can go to tfcon in la and meet even more and right. have more dealers and stuff like that and so that's going to be the, the challenge because we don't want to we don't want to start this rivalry with tfcon right and we we can't compete with them Mm-hmm. We're not going to be able to drive people away from going to TFCon to us um, if what they're looking for is to meet 
all the voice actors and meet all these artists and stuff like that. We're not going to be able to compete with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would like to do is get it a little bit bigger and make it so that um, we can expand it to two days and have enough stuff that people come back for a second day and are entertained um, because that's ultimately what we want to do. We're not, we don't want to be just a toy show. Right. Um, and that's, that's kind of why we have to price things the way we do, you know, for attendance and for dealers and stuff like that is because we do more than just a toy show. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some people, that's all they want. They want to come in, buy their transformers and leave. But we, you know, we have all these games and activities, you know, the trivia contest, video game contest. Um, we have the posing, the figure contest and stuff like that. And we offer prizes mm-hmm. that we pay for. And we have raffle items that we pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had people donate them in the past, but we want to make sure that the raffle items are, are really good and that will encourage people to stick around to see if they win them. Um, we did the kind of just uh, simple raffle items, you know, a $15 figure here or there done hourly, but there wasn't a lot of people that stuck around to the end of the show. So there was just like raffle tickets, just reading off numbers. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we f- we found that having a, a box set of, of the Combiner Wars, a $100 item, mm-hmm. that kind of kept people interested. And the people who weren't interested didn't put their raffle tickets in. Right. And so um, it made a little bit more of an exciting of a raffle. Mm-hmm. And that was something I picked up from, from a local Disney convention that I've gone to. And stuff. So yeah, it was, uh, and and TFCon does one raffle, one raffle prize. Yeah, it was like at three o'clock, and so I was kind of interesting to see. Um, it wasn't as big a deal for for raffle items and stuff like that. So. Right. Like I I remember I was walking around, you know, not even really paying attention to the time, and then suddenly a dude comes over the PA and announces it, and yeah, there there's no real palpable excitement to it it's like you know we we all kind of stop and cock our heads and say oh well that wasn't me or you know the inevitable joke of oh it sounds like they pronounced my name wrong and and then right. and then you just kind of move on it, it didn't really have a, in fact i didn't even really look at what the door prize was that that's how kind of apathetic I was towards it whereas you know the the raffle at Sidefest you know when I went last year that that was that was incredibly exciting because you've got you've got um, different levels of raffle items you've uh, like you said you've got the baskets so it is as somebody that's participating as as a fan and a and a showgoer, there, there's a bit of like risk and gamble to it. It's like you know, how do I want to distribute my tickets? Do I want to do I want to throw all of my tickets at this uh, this awesome Victorian box set, or do I want to try and get some of these uh, you know a, a deluxe class or some of these uh, Voyager class figures, or you know, do I want to go after this uh, th- this deluxe uh, scourge instead? Uh, yeah, it, it created a a lot of excitement that I, I really appreciated. Yeah, and and people gather around to see who wins. And oh yeah, and that was and that's and that's fun. Um, and and you can kind of look at how many people have put in tickets, and you're like, well, I may not be as interested in this stuff, but 
there's a much better chance of winning. Right. And stuff like that. And I do love the fact that you are choosing what you want to win. Right. Versus you're just going to get whatever you get. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems like people are really excited, really interested in that. And, I mean, there are a few people that wish they was, we did the, um, the hourly door prize and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe it's something we might bring back to a smaller degree just to kind of keep things uh, unpredictable and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But, uh, yeah, we actually have a, a meeting tonight. And we're going to be talking about our experiences at TFCon because three out of the four of us went to TFCon, and so we're going to we're going to pick and choose what we liked and stuff like that. And we have ideas that we're going to bounce off each mm-hmm. other and you know and see what we want to focus our attention on this year and, and stuff like that. I the other thing that was really great was all the cosplayers. Yeah, and and that was that was something we really want to get to side fest and um it was more than what i saw at botcon any given year it was it was great and mm-hmm. they were really good and there was i mean there was people that clearly have you know have didn't do it very much and there were pretty you know but you look at it and you're like you know what they put some effort into it and mm-hmm. and for my son he doesn't care if it's this really elaborate costume you know with led lights and all that or somebody who just strapped some card painted cardboard on their mm-hmm. arms and stuff like that. He was just excited, just as excited each for each one, and uh, and that's something that we would love to have more of at uh, Sidefest, and that's what uh, Liz is hopefully going to be bringing more of because of her connections and stuff. Oh, absolutely. Um, we uh, we had a meeting last night. And we, we had a, a TFCon debrief, and we went over everything we had seen at TFCon mm-hmm. and everything we had learned and uh, what changes and additions we wanted to make to Sidefest. There's a lot coming for Sidefest. I am so excited. I, I'm, I'm not saying anything right now. Of course. But uh, it's, I, I'm sorry. No, no exclusive reveals for you. <laughs> but uh, we, uh, we, we just have so much coming down the pipeline. I actually, like, as we were talking earlier, I was publishing the panel uh, submission list. Mm-hmm. So uh, there, there's there's your there's your reveal. If you want to apply for panels, you can do so at the Sidefest Nor- Northwest website. Um, and uh, panelists will get their badges comped, and we will let you talk about things that you are interested in uh, on a stage. Uh, the stage may be a small area of floor that we set aside for you, and we give mm-hmm. you a microphone, but we will give you a platform. And uh, that's that's that we started that we gave it a, a run last year at Sidefest. And we only had a couple panels, but they worked really well. Yeah. Um, and we're going we're gonna to make some changes and improvements, and I'm hoping we have a lot of really cool submissions this year. I had a question for you. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I, for me, leaving these kind of conventions that you go to, and there's kind of like this kind of sadness of like, it's over. Did you feel that for, for TFCon? Do you have that reaction when you leave these types of conventions? You know, I... I, I know what you're referring to because I saw a lot of folks uh, posting that on Facebook and Twitter, and on, honestly, no, I uh, I I had a wonderful time, but I was ready to go home. Um, okay. So so it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, it, it's been real, it's been fun, it's been real fun. Uh, now, granted, my my experience might be um, a little different uh, from others. I, I'd be kind of interested to compare notes with Liz because, like, basically, I was kind of like on this uh, breakneck whirlwind weekend starting uh, Friday afternoon. 
uh, when I got off work and headed straight for Emerald City Comic Con, and then right. and then I then I hosted uh, Crackle Fest, the uh, the Nerd Rock show at the Hard Rock uh, as part of Emerald City Comic Con that evening. Then I went home, crashed out for a couple hours, jumped on a plane uh, for Saturday morning, then got to TFCon, and then just kind of hit the hit the ground running. And I didn't really stop until I got home uh, past midnight on Sunday. So, um, so yeah, it was so so my experience was a little different from that regard. In that, like I was I was kind of running myself pretty hard, so I was right. I, I was ready to go home. <laughs> It wasn't so much a vacation as it was just, <laughs> yeah, just running through everything with like a steamroller. Yeah, and quite frankly, there's a lot of like going through the motions, or at least that's kind of how it feels at the time. But like, you know, once I got up on Monday and kind of, you know, got to you know regroup a little bit, and I kind of went through, you know, my halls and my swag and. And I was just like, oh, yeah, that's right. There, I had like this amazing experience and I can, you know, connect to the memories of that, even if at the time I was really just kind of like, you know, focused and kind of hammered down type of thing. Because like when I when I visited the voice actors, I I did that pretty much kind of like as like as close to a, like a machined pace as I could. It's like I just went from like table to table to table. And yeah. I mean, it was a wonderful experience. But yeah, it's like I yeah, again, maybe maybe pushed myself a little too hard on that. If having gone from one convention literally to the next, that must have been <laughs> exhausting. It, it it was it was a bit much. It's not something I would do again, or not necessarily something I would uh, recommend. Um, but uh, um, but how about you? You mentioned uh, uh, post con melancholy. Did uh, did you go through that? I did a little bit. Um, not as much in, as years previous uh, going to Botcon. Um, I think, you know, I don't know if it's just like I get to kind of escape the real world for, you know, for for a couple of days ah, and just yeah. kind of be amidst people who just genuinely just love the same stuff. Um, I, I It's just kind of miss that that atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't get that. Like when I have gone to Emerald city comic con, I don't get that experience that, that is Emerald city is so stressful just with the number of people and all yes. that. Um, <laughs> and I don't even get it with jet city because, um, I'm, I'm very focused in what I like. I like, mm -hmm. I don't like transformers, uh, and I appreciate other pop culture stuff, but those are my, my main, uh, passions. Yeah. And so, um, I, I definitely feel um, that a show that's focused on those, I get much more attached to. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so leaving it makes it harder, you know, whereas it's like for a, just a going to a comic comic convention, stuff like that. It's so like, hang out, have some fun, take off, and we're good. Mm -hmm. And so... I got and with Sidefest, it's a different experience because I'm 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 ready for it to be done because I'm <laughs> <laughs> of course, so, of course. Come to Sidefest; it's going to be really cool. 
And you know what? I, uh, I, I may have neglected to mention this earlier in the podcast, but last year, uh, Ben had the opportunity to be on TV uh, here locally in Seattle as part of the promotion for the Bumblebee movie. Um, I'll have a link in uh, the show notes. Um, there's a, there's a video that you can watch, uh, from his, uh, appearance on New Day Northwest on King 5. Uh, but I had one last question for him, uh, before we parted ways. Being a huge Bumblebee fan and, you know, being the Bumblebee guy, what, uh, uh, briefly, what, uh, what are your thoughts on MP45, the new, uh, the new, uh, Masterpiece Bumblebee that's going to be coming out? Um, I think it looks really cool. Um. The price is a little high, yeah. Uh, but I, it's going to be hard to not to not go after it. Um, in fact, well, I'm going I'm going to get it. I mean, the challenge <laughs> is I'm going to get sure. it. Sure. Um, uh, you know, I I like to. There's there's a couple things that I'm like. I wish this was a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the head is just a little big. Yeah. Um, which I've actually heard other people say. Um, People have complained about the way the feet look, um, and it's like, well, there's only so much they can do with things folding up on themselves to create, you know, a vehicle that turns into this as close to an animation, mm-hmm. uh, the image from the animated show as they can. Uh, but for me, I like to focus on all the things that they did right rather than the couple things that I think they didn't do quite so well and stuff sure. like that. Uh, but I, I am going to be buying that for sure. Um, I'm excited for it. I personally didn't, I wasn't missing it. It didn't feel like, I felt like the, the first Bumblebee masterpiece filled that gap nicely. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to see more characters come out rather than redo versions of characters they've already done. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think I've said before that I'm not interested in the new Optimus Prime. Mm-hmm. I'm happy with the one I have. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Hound. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see what characters they bring out next. Um, you know, I'm, I'm surprised they're not doing more of, like, the movie figures because there's no licensing that's needed. Um, they did Ultra Magnus. They did Hot Rod. They did Rodimus. So it's like, you know, why they haven't done Galvatron and... Um, Scourge or I mean yeah, shoot, I would love shoot to give see... give me a masterpiece retgar. <laughs> I mean that would be sweet. Yeah. Yeah, so um yeah, I'm 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 excited to add the Bumblebee to my collection, but mm-hmm. I I would love to see characters that haven't been done yet come out too. Uh, and it, it I, I wish the masterpiece uh release schedule was a little bit a little bit quicker. Yeah. Um for the official stuff, but not so much that you feel like you're dropping two hundred dollars every month. Yeah, um, there was the point uh, early on when they did Smokescreen and Blue Streak and Prowl, and it was like there was one coming out every month, and so there was that kind of excitement of it um, that that came from something new every time. Yeah, <laughs> every, yeah, yeah, every for other sure. month or whatever. Um, but it's it's slowed down, and because they're doing the movie stuff and they're doing Beast Wars stuff, there's only there's only so much stuff they can release, and and that's that's the thing to recognize is while it may not be what I want to be, I don't want to I want to buy 
the movie stuff is impressive, and there are a lot of people that do. Yeah. And so, cool. I, I'm happy for them. <laughs> um, I got my masterpiece movie Bumblebee stuff, of course. But Right. right. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. And now here's Tim with the final word. For the folks out there listening, that uh, these uh, cons are actually quite welcoming. And if you have a passion for them, then you definitely need to go try it, try it out. A larger fan convention can be very intimidating. You know, because I, I know uh, you kind of reminded me of something that, uh, you know, like uh, my my friends from the Autopod Decepticast, they, they you know, they live in uh, Springfield and they they had never been to a fan convention before. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? Which Springfield? Every state's got a Springfield. Missouri. <laughs> OK. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Not 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 the Oregon one, not the Simpsons one, but uh, <laughs> the, okay. the, the, the Oakey one. <laughs> uh but anyway they they had never been to a uh fan con before and they were kind of trepidatious and nervous and anxious and all that and like yeah once once you walk in it's like whoa i mean there there's a little bit of that intimidation but once you get comfortable you know kind of kind of do a uh you know a lap or two around the floor you're uh you know you're comfortable and you're with family yeah so. yeah it's a great environment i, I did enjoy it And that will do it for this extra double bonus length episode. Thank you for listening. And if you'd like to listen to my past episodes, including all of my KGRG College radio shows, subscribe on SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, the Stitcher Radio app, Apple Podcasts, and on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. Like, share, rate, and review the show wherever you find it. Leave a five-star review on iTunes. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Seibert Radio and write it to the mailbag, MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. And again, that spelling, as always, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. For my guests Liz and Ben and Chris and Tim, my name is Mike. This has been Mike Seibert Radio. And until next time, make good choices. You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out bydoormusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert radio production.